The views and opinions expressed on Red Planet are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect those of Red Planet nor any affiliated or related entities. This podcast is provided for educational purposes only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Red Planet. This week, we are talking to the wonderful Thought Slime, aka Mildred, about yellow unions. We'll also talk about the protests in Georgia, the country, not the state in the USA, and also the developments in France around the protests over pensions, and much, much more. But first, Sophie's got an anecdote. I uh, went to school with someone who became a model, um, which was kind of a weird thing, like, to hear, like, oh, that guy's a model now. It's like, oh, okay. And then, like, one time I, I, I saw him in line for, there's, a, there's like, a chain. It's a small chain, I think, because it's, like, quite trendy, but it's always got a queue around the block. This place called, like, The Breakfast Club in London. Um, and we kind of gave each other the nod, but, like, we'd never been friends, so we didn't. You know, like, but it was it was a good like measure. Well, I, we just didn't know each other really. But sure. anyway, like, um, uh, it was a good measure of like how trendy the Breakfast Club is. And I didn't think about that until I found like I um my I was having brunch with my mom. She likes to go to bougier places, mm. and um, we we ate there. And um, I re- like I looked around at the 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 other people dining there, and I was like, oh. <laughs> This is like that kind of place. Actually, Susie Izzard was like two tables away from us. No way. Um, there were also so... a, quite a few people who were definitely, definitely models. Dope. That rocks. That's quite funny, actually, because that last night I started watching Daria because that's all on um, Amazon Prime. Oh, the old. Yeah, yeah. Remember Daria? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I used to remember when I was about like, I don't know, seven or eight and Beavis and Butthead would be on MTV and I would be like, yeah, this is great. And it's just these two fucking dickheads. Like, they're the worst people. And it was so funny. And then afterwards, Daria would come on. And, nice. I, would, and I would think, like, I would sat there, like, as, as a babby and be like, I feel like I would really like this show if I was smart enough to understand it. And now oh. I'm almost <laughs> smart enough to understand it. And I was right. <laughs> I remember I'm um, watching King of the Hill as a child and being like, there's funny bits, but I don't get the hype. Like, I don't understand why adults find this so funny. And then watching yeah. it as an adult, and it's just yeah. like, holy shit, this is so fucking good. Yeah. Do you know Hank? Do you know Hank Trill, the trap album that someone released? <laughs> oh yeah, someone sent that to me. Oh, I know. Shit. <laughs> yeah. It does make me really. It does make me really Jones for like a modern season of Hank of King of the Hill, where like one of them is mm. like fully QAnon pilled, and another one's become like. Uh, like one of them has read the QAnon messaging boards and another one has read how to blow up a pipeline and they they still like have beers together but it's like it's tense Um, that's because they did the Beavis and Butthead Um, like they revisited that right there was a movie recently but then there was a series a few years back a while back now where they tried to like kind of revamp it and it was kind of funny but it was just like you know, they watched Twilight and decided that to get girls, oh. they needed to become undead. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> shit like that. And it just, like, it's all just the same. Like, you know, it's uh, the same awesome. thing. But anyway. Batman, we yeah. gotta become vampires. 
<laughs> they were like, we must become the undead. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, Beavis and Butthead, welcome to Red Planet, uh, yes. the weekly Call Me Roundtable show where we talk about how to make the world a better place. That's and what it is. To the chat. <laughs> welcome also coming to the, undead. To the, <laughs> welcome also to the podcast listeners and the VOD watchers and all of you out there somewhere in the future watching us like creeps. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the most base thing you did this week, Mule? Oh, it's me again. The most base thing that I did this week, it's more Tenants Union stuff. Uh, everybody comes here every week and is like, oh, Mule's going to talk about the stuff he did with the Tenants Union. And you're right. Uh, this week, I helped some well, students. It is, it is pretty based. It is. It is pretty based. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. Uh, but what's more based is I was, I was so impressed this week because nine times out of ten, and it's no fault of anyone's, and this isn't like a slight... Uh, anyone um who is a member of ours who we've done disputes with this you know recently who who has been unable to to you know take on their own dispute and, and sort of run with it but um you know we were i was there sort of leading on a dispute with with a bunch of student women and they're young women as well i think they're only about 20 to 21 years old and just like the tenacity of these women was so awesome. And it was on International Women's Day as well, which made it extra based. And like, they all like basically met me and we went to this like horrific pub in Salford, to be honest. Like it was actually like, oh my God, I walked in the toilet and this guy pointed at my chain and was like, I'll have that pal. And I just said to him, bro, it's copper, which it is. It actually cost about <laughs> 15 pound. Um, and he was like, get to fuck. So that's the kind of place it was. And we all sat in there and, you know, we were right in the thick of it. And um, we were like hashing out the the strategy, and one of these girls just basically went, "I've got it. I'm doing it all. I'm going to lead on the discussion. I'm going to say everything that I want to say. Everybody's agreed that I know the, the most about this stuff, and and that's how it's going to go. Like everyone's happy for me to represent what's going on. So we went in there, and um, the first thing that happened is the receptionist shat herself, which is fair enough. She's only the receptionist. She didn't know what to do. We all come in there filming her and stuff with like high vises on and that. And, and she goes, oh, I've just got to speak to my manager. And then she'd come out and she said, she's in a meeting for f- 45 minutes. So you could go and come back or, you know, and we shot at five as well. So, you know, you could you could stay if you want. And we all just said, we're staying. And we, we sat in, you know, we got out sandwiches and stuff. They were looking at us going like, oh, fuck. You know, they were prepared <laughs> for this. Um, and eventually after about 15 minutes, this, this manager came out and she immediately looked at me and went, I don't fancy being harassed by being filmed. I don't think that that's legal. And I was there saying it is legal. You've got CCTV cameras in this building. It's perfectly fine for me to, to film you. And she just wouldn't drop being harassed. So I just looked at the members and I said, what do you want to do? And they said, are you going to speak to us about our property today and deal with it? And she said, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. And she said, okay, that's fine. We don't have to film it. We'll sit down and and do it basically. And, you know, what we say to people, what we say to tenants, what we say to our members, when we're going to speak to landlords, when we're going to speak to letting agents and stuff like that is that they will give the appearance of giving a shit when they're sort of, you know, met with collective action. They will shit themselves and go, I've got to do something about this. I'm going to at least pretend to care. And she did, you know, and she might actually care. I don't know. But like, you know, she sort of like said a lot of stuff and said, I'll definitely, I didn't know this was going to happen. All that contractor that you spoke to, I, I think we fired him a while ago and they didn't even, you know, say which contractor it was. So she was just, you know, trying to appease them all basically. And, um, you know, I, I think that, 
um the 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 girl who was leading on it was so good like she did a really good job of just like calming down her other housemates because her other housemates were a bit more like you know mad about the situation and obviously she was too but like you know we're talking like it's standard renters union stuff chat an audience at home it's it's disrepair all this kind of stuff like leaks like actually like one thing that i will say is that this property has leaks through the electrical fittings Oh wow! That's how bad and dangerous it is. So that's yeah, that's not that's good. Bad. You know what I mean? So this is the kind of stuff that these women have been living with for like the entirety of of, of the time that they've been at uni since September, right? And uh, nothing has been done. They've left been left for weeks without a boiler and all this kind of stuff. So like you know, this one member was really, really reserved in in how she dealt with it. It was super impressive, um, and they ended up basically negotiating with the with the letting agent, saying you've got to come out to our property and we're not budging on this compensation. We want compensation, and I basically just didn't have to do anything. I just kind of had to be there to like facilitate it you know what i mean and just be like yeah you know you can do this let's do it let's go and that's it so you know whether did i do something based this week no actually what i did was just sort of you know show up and watch a, a bunch of other people do some base stuff and uh, but that's know. like you know like that's an important part of it because if they just show up by themselves then you know they they can't get an appointment or you know like exactly they get, uh, they get told to come back later or whatever yes. but um yeah People showing up is, um, is what uh, helps reinforce their position. Well, actually, mm-hmm. that's that's a really good point, Tim, because um, mm. one of the other MSOs was talking to me this week because he's a trainee MSO that I've, we've been training him up. Um, and he took on his first dispute this week, which was really cool. It was really good to see. Um, and um, what actually happened was the 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 member who had the dispute actually got his dispute resolved without us really having to do anything. And I said, that's great, dude. Amazing. We got, we got a win. And he was like, I don't understand what you mean. And I said to him, listen, the mere fact that we exist and the mere fact that we reached out to this member and empowered him to take on his own dispute means that we probably likely were the only reason that he felt empowered anyway to even try and get Which something out of this baby. association. Right, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes it's just being there and existing and that will actually like, you know, give people the 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 sort of empowerment that they need to go, oh yeah, I should ask for what, what I deserve. But anyway, uh, stay tuned for that. Obviously I'll update you on that. If anything comes of it, it'd be great if uh, our members get their um, uh, compensation. But let's move on and ask our comrade Tim, what was the most base thing that you did this week? Um, well, I mean, if you'll see in the notes, um, my section is just filled with a bunch of emojis doing this, going, shh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, what are the, is it, is, what's the American thing? Plead the fifth? Is that the yeah. right thing to plead? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> right, and I'm gonna, yeah, uh, I'm gonna deflect over to, to Soph. And uh, yeah, what was the most base thing that you did this week? Um, excitingly, for uh, how cool and base the show is, uh, I also can't talk fully about the most base thing I did this week. What? Um, but I can say that um, I, I did I did a thing and I can't talk about it. And um, some of it involved like uh, organizing people's like, we, okay. The, th- the thing is a meeting involved in some organizing I can't talk about. And the in the meeting, uh, 
in order to like achieve what we're trying to do, there was a lot of what um, Emi Rakete from People Against Prisons Aotearoa oh, told yeah. me about the the tyranny of formlessness. People all trying mm. to be like equally good at doing the stuff, and so I was able to be like look, I know this person's good at this thing and I know this person's good yeah. at this thing and this person's already, I don't know this person this well, but they've clearly <laughs> demonstrated knowledge for this thing. Yeah. And so we should just let those people handle those jobs. Um, yeah. And I was proud of myself for, you know, kind of recognizing that and, and overcoming it because like the meeting got quite chaotic before that point. Yeah. Um, That's but... the thing though, right? It's like, yeah, like that tyranny of formlessness sort of thing where yeah. it's like, um, if everyone is trying to do a little bit here and there, or everyone thinks they've kind of got it under control, nothing gets done. Whereas if you kind of like, you know, and like this sounds like, you know, people be like, that's not very like anarchist or whatever like that. But it's like <laughs> being able to delegate people, you know, different roles and being like, hey, can you can you take ownership of this thing? Can you work on this? Um, is actually such a huge step towards getting things done. Yeah. Um, it also is yeah, yeah and it's like it just totally yeah is. well that's the thing it's like when you actually when you actually think about it you know and like because i mean i think like the people that i've heard kind of talk shit on stuff like that tend to be more towards the kind of like you know like the anarchy is just i don't know yeah. you know like the people that kind of yeah. are trying to embrace like the chaos but it's like sort from of thing. each according to their ability yeah exactly you are better at something then you should like you know <laughs> and it doesn't like, mean that the person doing the delegating is like the boss of anyone or anything right, like that right, it's exactly. just like we can have a conversation between us and we can decide that okay you're actually yeah. you know really qualified for this and we we all agree with that right sweet cool yeah so, uh, like we were yeah. we were you know we were we were talking in turns and like uh, nobody was in any kind of leadership role. I just like, like I say, happened to know some different people's skill yeah, sets, yeah. and I was like, you know. Um, but the second most based thing this week was that I got. I t- I told people I would uh, give an update on this, and I got an uh, appointment with Trans Plus. Yeah. I am gonna have actual healthcare for the first time. Um, wow, on, that's great! Like Wednesday this week, so that's sick. I'm oh, gonna wow. I'm gonna have healthcare extremely right, amazing based, extremely yeah, yeah. poggers and for those okay, of you sorry. listening um we don't actually have our sweet lovely kira here with us today uh so you've just got us three until our guest comes on uh but yeah we got some news to get through we got a lot of news to get through this week um True. so sophie do you want to tell us about the uk protesting backing health staff I so do. So thousands of protesters marched through London to the British Prime Minister's residence on Saturday to support healthcare workers who have held a series of strikes over pay and conditions in the state-funded National Health Service. Almost 40,000 junior doctors who form the backbone of hospital care are due to walk out across England for three days starting tomorrow. Unions have said wages, especially in the public sector, have fallen in real terms. That is, they haven't had raises uh, uh, proportional to inflation, uh, fallen in real terms over the past decade, and a cost of living crisis fueled by sharply rising food and energy prices has left many struggling to pay their bills. I do want to say, um, we probably don't say this enough when we're talking about the cost of living crisis on the show. Britain is like hit harder than Europe, um, partly because the EU has some degree of like, reg- like you know, uh, leveling kind of regulation across its member states and we're not a member state anymore um partly just because and i mean this is something we'll end up covering in this episode like the 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 uk has phenomenally shitty uh uh labor practices compared to um compared to europe and like we um yeah so like our workers are already struggling more just on an everyday 
basis. And then like when when a cost of living crisis affects everyone, um, obviously we're not hit as hard as say countries in the imperial periphery, but like compared to our immediate neighbors, like we are having a shit time. Um, and this is in line with the basis, basic premise of the show. This is the obvious response to that, right? We have thousands and tens of thousands of people striking like every week now. It's very cool. Um, there have been recent signs of progress towards ending the disputes. Nurses, midwives, physiotherapists, and ambulance staff last week called off planned strikes to hold pay negotiations with the government. So look at that. Power only respects power. It like, looks like the government finally actually gave in to, uh, to them doing stuff. Um, but the doctors' union, the British Medical Association, said there had not been any credible negotiations and the strike would start as planned on Monday. Um, this has been a thing in the last few years about like junior doctors because... Um, a lot of people who, I mean, Britain hates the young. And so like the kids who've been put through medical school and then they're just joining as junior doctors, like they suddenly find it's absolute fucking hell. And they in particular are just treated like, it doesn't matter if you just can't afford to live. Anyway, um, so that's all I have for that. Mule, do you want to tell us about France? I certainly do. Uh, or as the French would say, je voudrais um a little bit of a bit is that something that they say yes they do say that i promise it's true uh nothing you could say will make it not true uh right okay so um this is about the uh, french senate approving macron's pension plan amid new protests so this is not good for the protesters the protesters have been um, your, your sound is apparently not coming through to the stream. They're not it's hearing not, you. It's I'm not, hearing you. That's right. I'm completely not. muted, and everyone on the the Twitch chat just completely it's been unmuted. They just they just missed my amazing joke, and um, it's you true. Know, Mule was showing us how much French he knows, which is going to yeah. be really useful because this episode is largely about a French guy. It look, um, you know, it looks like the members of the Twitch chat are going to have to go on the podcast and listen to it <laughs> and leave us a five star review about why it's so good and why that joke was so good. Anyway, uh, what I'm France. talking about now is France. It's France. We're talking about France. Um, basically, this is about the French Senate approving Macron's pension plan amid new protests. Uh, this is extremely unfortunate as as we were covering last week. I believe uh, the uh, protests are uh, taking place because they uh, the French government have planned to up the pension age. Um, and it's not good. It's no good. Um, extremely unpopular pension reform plan. It's being touted as here in uh, the Al Jazeera uh, source that we've got. Senate has basically voted late on Saturday to adopt the reforms by 195 votes to 112, bringing the package whose key measure is raising the retirement age by two years to 64, becoming closer to the law. Again, you know, let's let's just think about that in the grand scheme of things. You know, what's the what's the retirement age in America? It's like 70, right? 72 or something. The 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 retirement age in, in the UK is like 68. You know, yeah. like we kind of need to sort our shit out, really. You know, this is how the this is how the French respond to the the <laughs> the retirement yeah. age being up to sixty four. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got to sort our shit. Tim, what's the what's the? I, I, I was just. Thinking, I don't think there is. Yeah, I don't think there is a set retirement age. I'm just looking now. Yeah, there's right. no set age for retirement. Yeah, like the common age is sixty five. They say because right, that's right. when you qualify for superannuation. But right. Um, 
Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, all right. Um, so now that the Senate has adopted the bill, it will be reviewed by a joint committee of lower and upper house legislators, probably on Wednesday. If the committee agrees on a text, the final vote in both chambers is likely to take place on Thursday. Um, so we at Red Planet will be checking out the result of this mm-hmm. next week. We'll yep. inform you on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, I think um, it's really worth oh, saying sorry, that like, the, the ways that like protests, marches, and union strikes work in relation to like the state trying to pull shit like this is when, you are, when you're protesting that they're planning to do something, that's the threat. Like You're saying, we're doing this much to show how angry we are, and then like right. if you try and pass that bill it's going to like it's going to come back to bite you and so like the fact that they're trying to push ahead with it anyway uh it could be about to pop off uh really really hard um yeah yeah, yeah it really could it really 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 could um Let's see what else I've got to say about this topic. Uh, unions, which have fiercely opposed the measure, still hoped on Saturday to force McCollum to back down, although the day's protests against the reform were far smaller than some previous ones. According to figures from the Interior Ministry, 368,000 demonstrators marched through various cities on Saturday. Authorities had expected up to a million people um, uh where did i miss that oh uh take part after a record 1.28 million people rallied in the streets earlier in the week in a joint statement the french unions maintaining a rare show of unity since the protest movement was launched at the end of january called on the government to organize a citizens consultation as soon as possible based um a thing that i think is really important to note is just how um horrific and violent the police are towards french protesters despite this being like a common thing um if you check out um popular front this is just a personal recommendation not a red planet recommendation uh but i follow these guys on on instagram called popular front and they have a lot of um videos of like you know protests and, and uprisings going on i'm not on, i'm not making this a red planet recommendation but i would also personally recommend them they're really cool yeah, there you yeah go. I've seen um, some of the, the stuff that I've seen of them has been pretty, um, pretty good. I was when I first saw them pop up, I um, just from the aesthetic, I was like, oh, is this going to be some weird kind of like, <laughs> it you know, is. like, oh, or like, is this going to be like Grey Zone 2 or something like that? It is whatever. like but, that. Yeah, it's worrying. Yeah, yeah. But or... no, um, but yeah, when you actually watch it, it's like, oh, no, actually, no, this is. Yeah, this is pretty good. <laughs> they cover they cover really based stuff like this. And one of the videos that I saw them post recently was all the cops in like you know in, in Paris like descending upon the the protesters and just beating the shit out of them. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's so yeah. obvious. Like the the violence. Like they're not even hiding it. They're just like, yeah, we're gonna beat the shit out of you. And they run out them with the batons. Yeah. Um, and these French protesters have got like umbrellas to like shield them from the batons. You know. So yeah. anyway, yeah, interesting video that. Another, uh, yeah, it's just another place where I'd like to say again, if we can get our editor, um, like covering stuff in the real world is like, yeah. we we often think that with like as much media infrastructure as we have, surely everything's getting filmed and everything will be shown if it happens, right? But it's like there is actually a difference between someone's like shaky uh, phone camera footage of like a, a, of like a, a wall of cops coming at them, yes. right? As opposed to like journalists who are professionally trained who are like there to like get the best shot on what's happening and show you know like show the full situation exactly um i'm not i'm not promising that we're going to be doing that i'm just saying uh there you absolutely are not shown everything by the by the the mainstream media i'm studying my alex jones arc now <laughs> yes <laughs> so <laughs> mainstream um, media more like it that's true <laughs> very very true you got them tim um mm. 
Uh, one final thing to say about this news story uh, is that the protests and the rolling strikes have affected several sectors of the French economy, including rail, air, transport, power stations, natural gas terminals, and rubbish collection, once again proving that direct action uh, is just based in general. You know, like, you know, it's it's, it's obviously good. shit. It's obviously it's shit that rail that rail transport is, is fucked up because, you know, people can't get to work and stuff. But, you know, if air transport is being, you know, messed with and, and natural gas terminals and shit like that, then, you know, that should they're they're solving climate change i don't know i'm just joking anyway uh (laughs) tim what is going on in georgia uh yeah so i'm looking over at georgia and that's georgia just down south of russia not atlanta georgia um the people have been protesting for a couple days now over the new foreign agents bill that they're um, putting through their parliament so um the georgian government is like the government itself is quite pro-russian um and they brought in a draft for law that basically would make any organization that is receiving funding from out like from organizations outside of georgia they will get uh branded as foreign agents you know like and this is like not just you know some infowars guy being like ah oh, they're foreign agents this is like legitimately like they will be designated by the government as like a source of foreign interference, which is yeah. like pretty wild. Um, so protesters and the actual like in-house opposition party um, have been kind of pushing back on this. And they're saying that this is like, you know, cause they have a lot of NGOs that do like charity work and kind of stuff in Georgia. So they're, saying that well if you do this then they all immediately have to stop work you know and i mean like for the you know the pro-russian government that could obviously be like a move for them you know to like increase reliance on russia and stuff but um anyway so um the bill got voted down in parliament because just because of like the huge kind of outside pressure Mm. people literally like you know, throwing Molotovs at the police and, you know, all this kind of stuff, like very, like, yeah, very dystopian street battle kind of stuff. Like, and, you know, like the, the riot police had out all their tear gas and the high power water cannons and stuff like that. But, um, so, uh, the, the main, like the main political party, the, um, the ruling party, the Georgian dream party. Oh, (laughs) wow. very um like normal yeah, name right? yeah, yeah, yeah so um, normal whose name is Arakli Kobakidze I think I'm not sure you know how to pronounce that um and he um just doubled down on it after all of that you know which I think is like a very typical kind of um you know quite reactionary thing like when they do get um like severe pushback um but yeah so um like his statement was uh being an agent is shameful no matter whose agent you are um and referred to ngos working inside uh georgia as agents of foreign influence so he's oh kind God. of just like this is i mean this is kind of similar to you know like the um the narrative that a lot of people were pushing in america that has kind of spread abroad about the um you know like everyone's an outside influence everyone yeah. like yeah you know and this is like this is a thing that like you know um we've seen in the past with you know like um fascist parties and everything even like you know like the nazis and stuff like that any opposition to them was like it wasn't from the good people of you know the homeland it's from the outside influence um 
you know. I find so, it kind of interesting how it's spread in conspiratorial thinking, like it's a very classic and old uh, anti-Semitic accusation to yes, say that yes, like Jew, Jews have a second loyalty um, and yeah. they're not, you know, they're not invested in the country that they live in. Um, and now it's like, they, they say that about everyone that they don't like. Yeah. But I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. Jews the, the most. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's wild. It, um, they always manage to bring it back to, yeah, like, uh, some kind of anti-Semitic, like it's like all of these things. Like you pull the thread long enough, and it just always comes back to anti-Semitism. It's like it doesn't matter if it's pulling like... the mask off the Scooby Doo villain. Oh my god! Yeah, 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 the yeah. Jews? Like I, racism, I transphobia, wow. all this kind of stuff. Like you just keep yeah. pulling on it, and then it's like it's only a matter of time. And it's like it's yeah. fucking wild. Like why the hell things? But um, yeah. I mean, it just kind of shows how out of touch a lot of these people are. Yeah. But um, yeah. So and um, uh, Georgia, like the actual working class people of Georgia are super worried because, you know, because obviously the situation with Russia and Ukraine and stuff, like as soon as that kicked off, um, Georgia, because Georgia is a small state, like right at mm. the bottom of Russia. They're a former Soviet state. And they, um, they've, I mean, they've been under attack from Russia before from, you know, they've been under attack from fucking heaps of people before, you know, like um, they are, you know, like they're, with the size that they are like if you know if someone decided that they really wanted to take them out or annex them or whatever like that it wouldn't be you know like yeah it, i mean it'd be another situation probably i don't think they would have the same kind of like level of um military support as ukraine has but yeah. um although it was a weird comparison i don't know if you saw that tweet where like one of the russian government agencies tweeted like remember what happened in ukraine yeah. that's a warning and I was just like, yeah, yeah. what happened in Ukraine was you got fucking comested and dumpstered. Like, <laughs> actually, actually tweeting right now, don't make me make you kick my ass. <laughs> yeah, extremely but, um, fucked. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Uh, like, right there have been, um, like, Russian threats to Georgian officials and everything like that. Um, it was, like, what, the, M- the MFA branch in um, Crimea uh, commented on the protest saying protests against a foreign agents bill erupted in Tbilisi, resulting in demands for the resignation of the government. We recommend to the Georgian people to recall a similar situation in Ukraine in 2014 and what it finally led to, hashtag think twice. Right. That's what was talking about. Literally, but, um, literally, I will beat the shit out of you. Come at me, bro. I'm ripped. Like, <laughs> like that like, kind yeah. of energy, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like they're I'm... trying to, like, yeah, they're trying to paint it as, like, a coup and, you know, like, it's like, and, and it's, a, it's a threat of invasion as well. Yeah. I nearly um, had my surgery in Tbilisi. Um, oh, wow. Oh my gosh. And then we had it in Yerevan instead and then like on the day that we were setting off there the Azerbaijani invasion started but like I think there are other people who are seeing the same surgeon who might be going to Tbilisi like there are other (laughs) I just think it's funny there are going to be other dolls who are like having the same experience going like to an active war zone (laughs) yeah 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 it's wild that it's like okay um you know like to get you know to get um healthcare you have to travel to yeah an active war zone yeah you know like as opposed to just like you know like you could just get the same thing done at home if yeah. they would just you know like if well, they would even just, just like be normal even if they would just be normal <laughs> even now actually like i've just just said i'm getting healthcare, but like the nhs doesn't cover ffs so like this was still something i would have had to do uh if i'd gotten on trans plus sooner yeah that too yeah right? yeah. yeah um but yeah so uh yeah obviously um 
yeah, you know, like Russian has a Russia has a tremendous influence in the area um, and a lot of the surrounding states, and obviously within Georgia itself, with the you know the ruling party. But um, yeah, uh, so obviously, obviously, um, all of us here stand in solidarity with the working class people of um, Georgia and say, um, yeah, fuck off, Russia, fuck off, Putin, fuck you, Putin, <laughs> yeah, 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 piece of shit. <laughs> and there's actually, there's and, actually, and, and then fuck actually, the, um, what is it, fuck. Iraqli Kobakinsi. Yeah, yeah, that guy too. Funny. That guy too. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're watching on the Twitch chat, there's actually like a, a pretty based clip, and I'm gonna see if I can f- play it real quick while uh, uh, while we're doing the next news story. But it's um, it's like a guy who gets sprayed with a water cannon, and then he puts two fingers up at the, at the, <laughs> at the police. Nice. Uh, so yeah, we'll let that play for a sec. But uh, excellent. Yeah, so. Well, the next news story, while that is playing, uh, I am also talking about Georgia, but I am talking about Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we've been covering in recent weeks the Stop Cop City or Defend Atlanta Forest movement. They are um, synonymous. They are like, because uh, if people aren't familiar, uh, the Willowney Forest next to Atlanta is um, scheduled to be like fucking bulldozed, basically, so that they can make a mock-up of a poor neighborhood for cops to like, go and lop in basically um so which people yeah which locals have taken to calling cop city so the the movement is both to defend the forest and to stop cop city um and it's drawn a lot of attention this week because it was having its week of action so there's a lot of stuff to to say about what they've been up to there's been fantastic reporting by unicorn riot if people want to check them out they have they've been doing like fantastic coverage of uh everything happening with that movement and um they have like a comprehensive rundown on their website um anyway 22 detainees from the campaign have been charged with domestic terrorism for sitting in a tree um and one activist manuel esteban Paez tiran also known as tortuguita was killed recently by dekalb county police if people remember that was something we covered on the show as well as part of the week of action tortuguita's mother gave a speech on the police murder of her son led a vigil and a march singing no pasaran with the other marches um it's worth a watch it's also absolutely heartbreaking activists also staged a noise and music demonstration outside DeKalb county jail where their comrades are being held the ones who've been charged with domestic terrorism and prisoners could be seen waving to the crowd from inside through the like tiny little windows there's some footage also unicorn riot where like you can see these tiny tiny windows they've made so that like prisoners can like i guess get natural light but they can't see out or anything and they've clearly like climbed up there to just like wave through the through through the tiny little slip um yeah it's um it's interesting to see the like variety of tactics they've deployed during the week of action so there's been the the marches and vigils and stuff and i'll talk about some more in a second but also this noise demonstration uh which you know is a very effective thing it make it makes it unpleasant for the cops to know that there's a bunch of people basically partying outside and basically like rallying together to say fuck you um, it's unpleasant for the people who work there. And at the same time, if you're doing it outside of jail, especially, it is pleasant for the the people who know that you are there in solidarity um, and who yeah know that you've got their backs. After a music festival to rally for the cause earlier in the week, around 200 people, mostly in Black Block and Camo, marched on a Cop City construction post and destroyed it, setting fire to some of the buildings and building equipment. Um, there's great footage you can see of that happening. Um, but basically, yeah, um, People were, were were covered up. They were anonymized, and they 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 led like about two hundred people. They had like little makeshift riot shields and stuff, and they stormed the, the construction post. 
And then, yeah, they, they burned it the fuck down, which was fantastic. The police obviously, like, charged in to try and get the people responsible, but they couldn't get the people responsible because they... Uh, <laughs> Uh, police are laughably bad at their jobs and if if anyone else were as bad at their jobs as police are, then the police would be called. Um, police, police response has been both tyrannical and obtuse. They've grabbed anyone they can catch and they've imprisoned them without evidence, as well as reportedly clamping out-of-town vehicles they spot in the area, assuming them to be activists who've come to join the week of action. So I've seen some pictures of this, like, cars where they've, like, they've, they've had them clamped because uh, they're like, this must be some some leftist who's been shipped in by fucking Soros. It can't <laughs> it can't it can't be that like all of the people who are mad at us are the local residents who will be directly like most directly hurt by their yeah, not being yeah. a forest <laughs> and mm. being a huge cop training facility. It couldn't be that the people who live here are angry. It must be out of towners. Um, yeah, that yeah, said, yeah. that there have been people showing up in solidarity from other places, which is really cool. Um, a lot yeah. of like abolitionists from around the country have actually um, you know driven in or however into uh to atlanta this week um one sheriff was seen pointing a loaded gun into a bouncy castle um i i really this is like the police are really in like a field of rakes situation with this where they've just fucked up so many times through this whole thing they know that they're like the mass crowd of people that they are, are battling are, are organizing under the principle that a cab um and then and then everything single thing that they do in response is just like proving the point like they already you know they already killed people and 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 then and then like working this basically the same case they're like pointing a gun into a bouncy house awesome yeah. um kathy likes mother of another man murdered by police in georgia in 2017 also joined the protesters and delivered a very powerful speech to protesters and police describing how her son was killed she ended out her remarks by saying a cab um and that's that's the the week of action for now i think there might be more to follow up on next week um as a lot happened and it's people are still kind of picking over uh the full details uh mule do you want to tell us about yanis varifakis i do yes so this next story is about uh yanis uh, varifakis he was the former greek finance minister um and um he basically got attacked by what he called uh well he said that they looked like hired thugs um <clears throat> but he was attacked in central athens it was a very brazen uh sort of affair where uh, you know these guys just sort of came up to him and I think broad daylight, uh, leaving him with cuts, bruises, and a broken nose. The men who attacked Varoufakis accused him of being responsible for the austerity policies imposed by the EU after the Greek economic crisis between 2010 and 2018. In fact, Varoufakis fought against European austerity in Greece during his term as a finance minister. The attackers also filmed the assault. His involvement with DM25... I didn't know that. I didn't know that they filmed the assault. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They got, yeah. So his involvement with DM25 began when he was invited to coordinate socialist resistance to the rising far right across Europe. And since then, he has increasingly become a target of far right actors in Greece. Uh, Greece has recently seen near daily protests after a train collision um, on Greece's recently privatized railroads left 57 people dead. Um, funny that, isn't it, audience, how, uh, you know, they privatized the railroads and uh, then there was a fucking collision and 57 people fucking died. Anyway, protesters blame the management of the train system for the crash and believe that it wouldn't have happened if the rail were not privatized. Um, I'm inclined to agree, to be honest. 
Varifaka said on Twitter that the men who attacked him look like thugs for hire. He quote, uh, we can uh, quote him saying that. And he doesn't want anyone to attribute the attack to any left-wing radicals or anyone from within the movement. Uh, after talking about the attack on Twitter, Varifak has posted, Let us please stay focused. We are mourning the 57 victims of rail privatization. We support the spontaneous youth rallies, the greatest hope that Greece can change. See you at the demonstrations. What a based Chad, honestly. Extremely based. Greece once again has a philosopher king. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There is that kind of, um, you know, like even in the States and stuff where if there is any kind of violence like that they always like chalk it up to like oh or they try to especially the kind of conservative yeah. media will try to push like that this was like antifa radicals or something like that but right. i think a lot of the times the people that get affected by this violence don't necessarily have the um kind of presence of mind or whatever to be like this wasn't you know like this platform wasn't for that matter. people from yeah yeah or the platform yeah. as well you know to be like these definitely weren't you know, like these weren't leftists or anything like that. This was, yeah. you know, and even like, yeah, just um, to kind of like bring it back to being like, you know, like eyes on the prize that like we're talking about, you know, this is what the protest is about and stuff, you know, like, um, yeah. So yeah, big yeah, ups, I mean, big ups. Varoufakis is an interesting guy. The democracy in Europe movement is interesting. Um, they basically, uh, like, like the notes said that, they uh, were formed in response to the far right rising up in Europe, but like um, Varoufakis didn't actually organize it himself to begin with. He was like talking mm. to a friend um, about the need for there to be like a left wing response to the right wing. And then like um, yeah. his friend just told him a little while later, hey, I've organized a rally um, and this thing called DM25 and you're going to be the key speaker at it. So get ready. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been um, leading that ever since, which is really interesting. I guess like um, it is ultimately within the framework of electoral politics, even if it's not necessarily like just a just an electoral party or whatever. The point of yeah. the, the 25 is that they want like 25 member states of the EU. Uh, I don't remember which ones um, to like to be able to elect socialists. Uh, the point is, it, it is overall pushing for socialism. And I think that the, the point of him saying that he doesn't want the attack to be attributed to, to left-wingers is that, like, um, as people working kind of within the system, they have been criticized a lot and, like, um, you know, shit on a lot by, by uh, like, more radical leftists. Um, you could say fairly or whatever, but, like, it's I think it's just really good, like you said, that he kind of jumped quickly to say, like... Um, this definitely wasn't. This definitely yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. anarchists or communists. It's a show, mm -hmm. a show of solidarity that Keir Starmer would never do. Yeah. Um, yes, Keir Starmer would have every leftist in the in the country arrested tomorrow if he got <laughs> if he got if he got like punched in the face by some random guys who yeah. had absolutely no like left wing indicators of any kind. He would be like, "We have to deal with the the communist problem." Uh-huh. Yeah, we've got um Nixterides in the chat saying that, yeah, you know, like for a focus said that, you know, like he uh suspects that it was hired thugs from the Troika, but um yeah, and that he never suspected anarchists or communists or whatever, despite yeah. certain headlines saying the exact opposite. I didn't realize exactly. that there were headlines that were, you know, yeah. that had beat exactly. him to the punch, I guess, and said that. Yeah. Which is like, yeah, you know, so typical so typical. Like, even though I yeah. didn't know that they had done that. I feel like I, you know, like I yeah, exactly. It. That's what I was. Um, yeah, trying there to was also um, another uh, message that I saw in here um, 
from a minute ago from Wintering Art saying we're talking about the um cop city stuff with oh, um the, okay. the murder of Tortu Guida. Um mm-hmm. his autopsy results came back and uh oh they they say that they were the they were sitting with their hands up in their tent when they were shot. Oh, so, um, yeah. So that's pretty damning, you know, like because of what the cops have obviously lied about. They said that um, when yeah. they found them, they were, you know, pointing a gun or something like that. But they, um, yeah, they tried to claim there was an exchange of gunfire, but everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. said they heard just the one gun. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. yep. So, <sighs> you know, fuck the cops. But um, anyway. So, um, Thing, yeah, but, you're doing the next one. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. We also about have Palestine action. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, comrades of the show, um, Palestine Action, who we've had on here before, um, the founder Huda um, was a guest that we had like a while back now. Um, can't remember. It was like, yeah, probably maybe even like an, a year ago. Or I something. think it might actually be about a year ago. Like, yeah, 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 yeah for sure. So Albert Systems, they are the Israeli weapons manufacturers that have factories in the UK um, that have been, um, Palestine Action have been successful in kind of, um, you know, getting them shut down before. Uh, notably, yeah, the, the headquarters in Oldham. So um, there's one currently operating in, and this is where um, everyone's going to make fun of me for pronouncing <laughs> British place names, but yes. Lee, Lee, See, so is it like some people say? <laughs> I have I've heard people say Lister, but yep, then it's, it's like me. It looks like it's Leister, you know, like you know what? That's what it's called now, Tim. That's what it's called. Yeah, 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 yeah. We call it Leister now. Yeah. So, um, so if Tim ever visits, we're gonna have some wish. We're gonna go to Leicester and have some Worcestershire sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if any of you come down here, I'm gonna like get you to pronounce so many place names. It's gonna be great. Oh, I'm down. So, um, yeah. So they put out a call on social media to get as many people um in the UK involved as they can. The plan is to build um local support in the area as well. Um, so as, as I've done in previous locations and um, yeah, if it goes anything like their other actions, the, um, the least Lister, Lister um, <laughs> arms factory may well be closed down uh, yeah. the next time we update uh, and yeah. hopefully next week. Cause yeah, this is what happened last time um, with the one in Oldham. Basically it was just, they drew enough attention to it that, um, yeah. that Albert were like, Oh shit. Um, you know, like they kind of like they get by because nobody knows what they're doing in these buildings, you know. So as soon as everyone goes like, hey, this is where they build the things that go and kill children in the Middle East. You know, like a lot of locals start going like, wait a minute, like we don't want that in our town. Like we don't want you yeah. there. Like, yeah. And um, so, you know, just the kind of strength of exposing what they what they're complicit in is um generally enough to kind of um get them out yeah. of there and it's like you know like a, a lot of big companies say well but they'll move along they'll find somewhere else but it gets mm. to a point where it becomes too expensive for them to do so and that's the thing yeah. it's like it's for them it's not about the morals of you know being like oh you know these protesters have made us rethink things and actually child death is bad like it's to them it's just like oh no child death is becoming um an expensive industry and um so we need to you know if, cash uh, out if, and switch to something else if an executive from albert ever said you can't put a price on the life of a child and there's no like there's no equivocating like profit with with human life uh 
it would it would only be because saying that would be profitable for them to say like yeah yeah absolutely it's never yeah. it's never going to be like a revelation they have um mm-hmm. when we had huda on she was telling us about like um uh stuff they've done where like elbit are cowards and they they have just like fled at the the mere sight of trouble a couple of times as, as far as i remember and also like uh huda was definitely telling us about how they've downscaled who actually works at the factory because it was really easy for them to like find people who work there who are normal people and be like hey you know you're making weapons that kill like palestinian children and then they were like oh fuck no i don't want to do that and they all quit and so like it's gotten to a stage where they have to hire like someone who's already got awful cop brain i think i think she was saying they they like seek out to hire like vets and stuff um, yeah yeah that's right basically like yeah. oversee a mostly automated factory but it's still like really expensive for them to have to move that that, that around and, and mm. try to find new people all the time i think that says a lot about um alienation because it's kind of like i think a lot a lot of the times what people don't realize is how what they do contributes to the system uh, yeah. and imperialism itself um for example i met um one of my partner's friends uh, a couple of weeks ago and i hope she's not listening and doesn't get offended but you know this is what i actually think so there you go uh, but <laughs> the, the the she was saying that um oh you know i'd really like to like you know get involved with more like you know leftist things and i'm moving down to london so i wonder if you've you know got anyone that you want to you know speak to and stuff and i was like yeah 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 check out the, these guys these guys these guys and then i mentioned prisoner solidarity network and mm. she said oh well i think we should still have prisons you know just for safety and and, and i was like okay i'm not gonna say anything because that's you know okay uh, who will keep us safe from the prisons right right <laughs> i know prison. yeah like this is this is something that maybe this person's not ready for because then she proceeded to tell mm. me that she actually works for the prison system oh. doing doing admin Horrible. Um, and it's Jesus like Christ. yeah so you know how well she should watch our episode or with the prisoner solidarity she network should. like yeah. hearing about the conditions inside it's fucking atrocious yes it doesn't matter how much you think your role is removed from the actual punishment of working class people yeah. uh, marginalized people you are no. part of it and you are you know th- th- it's so i haven't read bullshit jobs but i actually it's the only place that i knew graber of graber before. everyone drink everyone drink uh, <laughs> or, or don't drink actually because it was me that mentioned it first um mm. but um like i knew about the book bullshit jobs before you'd ever mentioned graver to me and right. i was always fascinated with the idea because it is like you know and, and what does he say in that book like 20 percent of jobs in reality are, are the things that keep us going keep the world going right yeah so some very like, small fraction which i think we saw under the pandemic right very yes. few people ha- had to go to work and it's like so you know, yeah, yeah yes so yeah, yeah. yeah and then <laughs> and then you know just in thinking that then it makes you think like okay so then you know i don't know graber probably i don't know how anti-prison graber was probably quite anti-prison uh based on you know what a we smidge know. anti-prison yes smidge anti-prison <laughs> so like you know also like just a little attaching those kinds of jobs as well like you know prison-based jobs so screws mm. orderlies uh admin people like all these different sections of it as well they're all bullshit jobs um and it's kind of like i i really think that people just get so far removed from how they affect the system and that's by design right that's the alienation like i I don't know if that's specifically what mark marks talks about um but it's certainly something that like 
you know, people just do not think about. They just don't think yeah. about how they contribute to it, uh, people suffering whatsoever, you know. Absolutely. Anyway, um, that is the end of our new segment. Our Incredible. guest is here. Are you doing an intro, Sophie? I know you've wrote oh, a lot I, for this. I wrote a little, a little intro as well as all the notes that I wrote today. Um, right then. So we've all been telling our audience to join a union. Since literally week one, we said as the homework week one, join any kind of union. It doesn't have to be a workers' union. It could be a disability union, an unemployment union, a tenants' union. And a lot of our viewers have done that. Although if you are a new viewer and you didn't know about that original homework, that was the original homework. Please go join the union. It'll probably be the homework again this week. Um, however, before you go do that, the sad truth is that not all unions are based. <gasps> Some unions, in fact, are very very cringe. Oh no. Today on the show, we have comrade of the show and local cringe expert Mildred Thought Slime uh, to learn along with the rest of my fellow hosts about yellow unions. Hey, Mildo, how's it going? It's me. Hello. I've put in my Malcolm Clydewell 10,000 hours of cringe and now I'm an expert. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, I, nice. I, I, I had been joking about this being a, a cringe corner crossover, and then I did the research for what this episode was going to be about, and I was like, oh no, it's actually a cringe corner Pretty crossover. Cringe. This is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually really cringe. So you'll have to buckle in. Yeah, if you don't know what Cringe Corner is and you're listening on the podcast or, or, or whatever, it's it's on Thought Slime's channel. Uh, please go and check out Mildred's channel. It's absolutely amazing. And Sophie joins uh, Thought Slime. I think, when is it? You do it every couple of months or so? Do a Cringe Corner? We generally release one a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. So uh, please go and support our comrades. Um, yeah, do you want to, you've been on the show before. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit just to people who don't know your new viewers and stuff like that? Yeah, uh, I am uh, Thought Slime, Mildred if you're nasty. Uh, I make videos about slime feces and genitalia and other things typically considered ugly. Uh, <laughs> I was once a boy like you until I found evil Gorgo's magic jewel. And now every time <laughs> I sneeze, I'm a monster by mistake. That's basically what you need to know about me. It's true. Amazing. It's true. Like, um, um, like Shazam, but with like feces. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, more. No, no, nothing more to add. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mildred, do you know? Do you know anything about yellow unions? The topic for today. I do not. Okay, that's not. really good. That's excellent. Um, in that case, I'll just dive right in and start telling you all about them. So the first thing we need to know um, about yellow unions is that they're like unions, but cringe. How cringe? Oh. You ask. Good question. We will get into that. Um, but the but the point is where where unions should and uh, hopefully are but frequently aren't uh, founded on on the the principles of worker struggle of class struggle of trying to liberate the working class. Yellow unions are you know some unions they they, they start out thinking they're going to help the working class and then they get you know corrupted in one way or another over time. Um, yellow unions. It's it's what they become. It's the 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 yellow is the is the rot setting in. Um, but some yellow unions are founded from the beginning to just be bullshit. Um, so I've prepared a little history of yellow unions, um, which will be open to your commentary. Very well. Okay, let me tell you about a French guy, a French guy oh, no. who didn't like protesting. Oh God. 
Pierre Beatry was a syndicalist um, born right on the border of France and Switzerland in 1872. You might have heard of anarcho-syndicalists or some yeah. Marxist syndicalists in yeah, the past. The word syndicalist, you'll notice... <laughs> the word syndicalist when divorced from any other prefix <laughs> yep. sometimes sends a shiver down the spine. <laughs> yeah, you, you have noticed successfully that I just said syndicalist. Yeah, um... <laughs> well, that's that's not always a good sign. Uh, yep, yep, famous yep. syndicalists throughout history include... Benito Mussolini. <laughs> oh, how strange that you picked up on something I was laying down so early on in the history. Wow. <laughs> so, um, Beatrice was, uh, yeah, born in 1872. Uh, between the ages of 13 and 17, he lived for four years in French colonial Algeria. Um, and it seems like when he was there, that had like an effect on his on his worldview. Like he, he saw like the oppression and the suffering of the workers there. And when he came back to France, he immediately joined the French Workers' Party. So cool, cool and good. Uh, in his late 20s, he was involved in strikes and marches in Paris and even received praise in the Workers' Party paper, Le Socialiste. Sounds like a pretty based guy, right? Well, I would R I would bet my life on it. Absolutely. Wrong. Ah, fuck. <laughs> okay. So age 30, Beatry had become disillusioned with socialism and the left and started advocating non-political trade union activity and promoting corporatism, the class collaborationist politics that David Graeber, everyone drink, has identified as the philosophical strain that is the basis of fascism. Um, if people aren't familiar, corporatism, which yes, is absolutely where we, you know, get corporation, is absolutely in line with corporation and corporate, um, is about class collaboration. It's about like people in the ruling class, people in the working class working together doing cool, cool and good stuff together. Um, and it's uh, it's not actually cool and good. No, I, I hate to keep bringing it back to, to my boy Benito Mussolini, but he once said famously that fascism could more uh, accurately be called corporatism. So he became opposed in particular to the strategy of uh, trying to organize towards one big general strike, um, which, mm. you know, we're, we're then hoping tips over into a revolution and then we get the cooler, more based society. Um, he was like, no, no, that can't work. That's not going to help the working class. Um, it's actually it's actually cringe, in my opinion, for the working class to uh, to oppose the ruling class at all. And antagonism between them is just not going to improve the conditions for the working class, um, which was a controversial hot take. The only way Hitler. things are going to change is if we don't change things. <laughs> it's the only way to make effective, positive change. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and yeah, so basically he was like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, this antagonism isn't helping. But actually, he was probably just scared by union militancy, because uh, around the same time, the Confédération Générale du Travail, which is the basically the general workers union of France at the time, they were actual based socialist chads, uh, had been ramping up the, uh, the militancy. And like, you know, it's the it's this thing like we were kind of seeing a bit of this with uh, Judas and the Black Messiah when we watched it the other day in the in the server. Like as as a as an organized body like increases in size and increases in power, they're able to do more stuff that's like nakedly antagonistic to their enemies, right? And 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 so was the case for the workers of France. So they started like smashing in windows and like I don't know if they were attacking capitalists, but like they were certainly engaging in a lot of vandalism. Mm. Um, and the same, the same thing. Like seeing, seeing that the the organized working class were like defending themselves from from capitalism, uh, did push another like other kind of 
conservative workers to the right around the same time. Um, and it's it's important to note that that there were there were kind of a group uh, a group of people he could appeal to. But um, yeah, Bietri was um, particularly incensed by oh no property damage. So he left the Workers' Party in 1902, and then he founded the Fédération Nationale des Jeunes de France, which means the Na National Federation of the Yellows of France. So to signal we have our name. Uh, their commitment to cowardice or piss, maybe who knows? Or piss. Um, no, there are actually a couple of there are actually a couple of uh, theories about the name. One is that they because he was like deliberately parting with the socialists, it was yellow as opposed to red. Um, but although would, it's <laughs> there is no yeah, color yeah. scheme that makes yellow the opposite of red <laughs> but you know it's another color right yellow is um, the other color in the soviet flag uh well this is 1902 so the soviet flag wasn't there yet um sure. but well the the other story and you can choose to believe this one if you prefer it um is mm. that basically uh, when he started organizing this group, I don't know if they had a name yet um, or if they just called them like called themselves like Scab Crew. I don't know, but they they had they had managed to get like a meeting house, so they're having regular meetings. And um, workers from the General Union just came and smashed in all the windows, uh, based. And then um, so according to the story, they used yellow paper to cover over the windows. So then their kind of whole building from the outside was all yellow. Um, yeah. And I don't know yeah, if that's true. I, I do like an origin story for their name that is about how they got their ass kicked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really is. It, it really is perfectly in line with people who like, yeah, just name themselves after the color for cowardice. But um, it, it, it seems to be their operating philosophy is, well, we shouldn't do anything that might make we look, look, we want to have better conditions and everything, but we shouldn't do it in a way that makes anyone mad at us. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just find it interesting the the character of this guy who like got a little bit noticed for some earlier stuff that he did with the with the general movement of leftist protest and then kind of used that as his cred to be as much of a scab as possible and organize a fucking reactionary leftist scab organization um it just it gives me some kind of vibe but i don't i just don't know it's ringing some kind of bell some kind of bell yeah some kind of bell um anyway so just like that the first yellow union was born so this is the origin right it's important to note this for the rest of the history of what we're talking about with yellow unions and for if you want to you know use the term in future that the original one was literally a scab union um it's quite likely that if you have you played disco elysium a little bit so there's the like there there's the union have shut down the docks right and then outside there's a there's a congregation of extremely reactionary uh and, and generally unpleasant workers who are there like demanding their right to go back to work and they're like they're an organization of scabs so it's mm. it's i don't uh maybe someday i'll get the opportunity to ask this but i i have a suspicion that those guys are literally based on the uh the federation de jean because like um a lot of disco elysium takes inspiration from like this era of france right mm. um it, it yeah. strikes me as kind of like uh how you have the unions they would be like your justice league and then to combat that you, you form like the injustice society yeah yeah the crime yeah. syndicate of america <laughs> <laughs> nice 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 um yeah i, I don't know beatrice's syndicalism i find so strange because like syndicalism at root should be uh 
organizing industries and then there's industries, you know, working together for the greater good. And at some point he was like, you know, what's a really important step in that process is the working class. They're really helping. And I just don't know like how that's even in line with syndicalism of any kind, but <laughs> it does seem like he's not interested in the main thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm an anarchist and fucking capitalists uh, uh, chucking capitalism on the end of, of, of an ideological tendency is um, tends to make a, a completely opposite moon logic version of absolute gibberish. Yeah. Um, I'm a, I'm a yeah. classical capitalist. I believe the capitalist <laughs> should belong to the working class. Uh, <laughs> um, well, was I? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the, the original yellow union. Um, uh, just a, gr- a group of scabs who are organizing to not do anything. As far as I can tell, they didn't really do anything that actually like conflicted with the, like, except for being an organization of scabs, they didn't do anything like actively that really like achieved much of any kind. Um, they were just some dudes who wanted to just wanted to grill, I guess. Um, <laughs> they just went to protests and held signs that said, this is a bit much. <laughs> down with this sort of thing yeah exactly yeah less of this um so uh i think beatry may be like history's scab i think he might have been like a scab in his soul i don't know if it's like i don't know what cosmic accident came together to make him like this but uh I, i'm saying that because as well as organizing the the federation de Jean, he also defended um he also at first defended Alfred Dreyfus during the Dreyfus affair. So if people don't know about the Dreyfus affair, basically this Jewish man was, or a guy with Jewish ancestry was accused of stealing national secrets. And it became a massive scandal around France that like anti-Semites used to leverage more anti-Semitism. And during some like parliamentary and like political uh, Congress debates, um, Beatry actually defended Dreyfus quite heatedly, according to his grandson, I have to I have to include okay. that is right. the source mm-hmm. the source is literally his grandson so we'll see um but at the same time he also started supporting famous anti-semite Edouard Drummond um mm. who who kind of made a career just famous, as an anti-semite famous like it was yeah literally <laughs> his whole deal was he was an anti-semite so I don't know if that's a deal that's one of those kind of you know, philo-semitism is anti-semitism kind of deals where he was maybe defending Dreyfus but actually he was being like no, he's a really cool and good Jew. It's all of his Jewish characteristics that make him a cool guy. And also, <laughs> I, I yeah, really yeah. don't know. When people the go like, ones. oh, you you believe this because you're an anti-Semite, he would just turn and go, oh, I defended Dreyfus. You know, I, how right. could I be an anti-Semite? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly the same pattern as like, being in a couple of marches with the, with the Workers' Party and then forming a scab union. This is mm. what I mean. I think he's like metaphysical scab. Mm. Um, <laughs> the... Uh, um, the Jean movement and Wikipedia here says surprisingly, but I don't know why, uh, also won the support of several hardline conservatives who are like uh, well-known conservatives in the public sphere. So strange that. Um, yeah, weird. It's almost like when you appeal to their goals and use their methods, they want to come along and help. It's yeah, strange. we were we were we were throwing a definitely socialist rally, and a bunch of Nazis showed up, and I just I this doesn't reflect anything about our mm, ideology. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So Pierre died in... Sounds kind of familiar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rings a bell. Um, So Pierre died in December 1918, which means he lived just long enough to see his entire worldview comestered and dumpstered by the Russian Revolution. um, Because his... (laughs) 
his main political argument for like his 20 years of of, of being uh, active in the public sphere was being like, no, a general strike can't possibly work. It can't possibly do anything. Um, and yeah, just to, like, this is, yeah, the end of uh, Beatrice's life. So his involvement in this history, but um, there's, a, there's a small footnote that, um, so he died in Saigon. He'd moved to Vietnam, which was at the time still a French colony. And his grandson again says that he had fallen for another woman. And I don't know... That's all the detail I have on that, but I I just feel weird about this guy going to a colony to whatever. I don't know. I don't know any more. Form of scabbing on his marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, his his wife is like I. uh, You 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 swore about to love me in sickness and in health. Yeah, yeah, he's just like yes, but it was a union under God. I don't respect that. Um, Okay, so. yeah, so that was in 1918 that he died, and the 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 yellow like the yellows by name, the yellows as an as an organization quickly fell apart without him. Um, it turned out being uh, organized scabs was not that popular or well thought through, um, and also it fell apart because yellow socialism became a uh, a popular term for actual socialists to use as an insult. Like their <laughs> influence quickly like spread beyond anything they'd actually ever done and became like part of parlance because people could see the kind of the figure of the yellow socialist as yeah, like, yeah, yeah you, you do not want to be like this guy. Um, <laughs> it is interesting that that like, it seems like these bad movements throughout history I always pick the two colors you should never pick, which are yellow and brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah what yeah. is that i'm part yeah. of the pp poo poo party do you have yeah. five minutes to talk about our goals yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah um so uh yeah it, it became this it became this um this thing that people would throw around as as an insult and um there's a bit of nuance i want to explore here because like people would use it uh quite accurately to to like point at uh, socialists who are showing reactionary tendencies or nationalist tendencies racist anti-semitic fascist and so on right um and that is all completely in line with the original yellows um Beatrice did a lot of like uh flag flag bashing or whatever um but um they uh, also like there's also an instance where Lenin uh, called a conference of uh, like the, I think it was the Bern conference um, that was led by Kortsky. He called them yellow socialists. And the reason he was doing that was like they had in the conference said, hey, bourgeois democracy, you got it handed to them, um, which is a pretty fair use of yellow socialism in, in, the, in the kind of straight ideological sense. But like also Kortsky was Jewish. So I, you know, it shouldn't always be taken as this like, you know. Um, so we, we have the origin of, of yellows and yellow socialism, um, despite it becoming unpopular to call yourself a yellow, um, this definitely not fascist strategy of co-opting the aesthetics and rhetoric of working class socialist organizing was picked up all around the world by bourgeois ghouls trying to squash worker power. Mm. (laughs) Mildred, you look like you ever thought about that. No, no, no. It's just, uh. To get the weirdest sense of deja vu there must be a glitch in the matrix <laughs> or something it's gotta be yeah we, they changed something um yeah exactly it's like you you founded a you founded a movement that is literally the the, the beginning point of it is just like co-opting socialist imagery um i think that i think there could be something to be like i i haven't explored the link thoroughly as to whether uh literally Mussolini had any kind of like awareness of them or anything uh but i really wouldn't rule it out as a possibility and if anyone wants to like check that up at a later point feel free um 
yeah, like it's just interesting how far back this strategy seems to go. That the minute you know people come together and like, well, we we should use uh, our collective power to like change society for the better. There's always yeah. some guy who's like, yes, totally on board. But what if yeah, instead yeah. of making it better, <laughs> we made it the same? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what if we made it? my idea of what it already is yeah yeah exactly. what if i vehemently like, defend it staying the same but the same actually means like more of all of the all of the things wrong <laughs> yeah yeah there's like a phenomenon wrote a lot about like the way that um you know like uh like when you're like building a movement or whatever you need to like you know be very firm and very focused on like internationalism and socialism like these things because um because of how easy it is to kind of co-opt especially when because uh, he's talking he was talking from the position of like you know like uh like the movements of like colonized and like you know like black people kind of um establishing their own form of like nationalism in, in yeah. opposition to kind of hegemony or whatever yeah so for him he was always like okay but like this is what we're doing but these this is what we have to look out for like this is the trap you know and it's always, like yeah over and over again it's like people are falling for, in the trap you know yeah so, but it's yeah. well I, I guess this the bit of a tangent i suppose but it it always surprises me that people will fall for the idea of like you're saying let's not do the thing that i want to do and claiming that's how the thing i want to do is done you know yeah. like I like uh, when uh, when defund the police was was a very popular slogan. People, I remember people saying it was it was going too far, right? And yeah, I yeah. I think it's not going far enough. But that people are saying you're going to lose like centrists and libs. And like, well, if they don't agree with defunding the police, then they don't have the same political project that I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So why yeah, are yeah, we? Absolutely. You know, like it, it's but it's the same thing. It's it's the same logic that goes into well, we we shouldn't be out there uh, destroying machinery or, or or you know protesting uh with through uh property destruction because yeah what what if the capitalists get mad they might, not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. they might not like us anymore yeah yeah totally yeah i saw a lot of that um yeah particularly during like you know like uh when things were kicking off with the george floyd um kind of uprising and stuff and you know like a lot of people being like okay well you know like when we say defund the police we don't actually mean like you know defund them what we mean is to i hated um, that shit so much yeah yeah they're like well what, what we need man, to do is we need to I empower police them. unions further to yeah. you know, when like, i say defund like, the police i actually mean abolish the police and yeah, abolish yeah, yeah. prisons and yeah. uh and form a little zoo where billionaires are kept and they have to enact ironic punishments based on the things that they did to workers that's what i mean when i say defund the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah we need to create a hell dimension specifically <laughs> for police is, yeah that's you know what the, defund the police you know the beginning of superman the movie where they put mm. zod and his cronies and the little thing right that's what i want for elon musk and bill Bill gates yeah Yeah, yeah, i know i know it's the phantom zone i'm just trying to for the chat you know oh you're relating to the abolishing prisons (laughs) with a caveat of strange crystal prison dimensions sophie's been sophie's been very kind here and saying that she needs to explain it for the chat when actually she means dj mule that is true (laughs) i have not seen superman nor will i ever watch it 
Uh, well, if you want me to explain in depth the mechanics of the Phantom Zone, just let me know anytime. I'll let you know. And by, cool? by saying Zone? That sounds sick as hell. Yeah, it is, yeah, the Phantom Zone sounds like a place I would like to be, to be honest. But I'm mm. guessing from the vibe, it's a place that no one wants to be. Yeah, it's mm. super sex. It's a bad place to be. It's, it's okay. in between uh, space and time, and just yeah. There you go. You you exist in a state of uh, life and death. It's probably oh. not related to Yellow Unions, though. Yeah, amidst amidst this Phantom Zone discussion, I want to say tangents are welcome because I have written like half an hour of material expecting our riffs to fill in here. I was but, just um, expecting Sophie to just go, uh, you know, the whole way. <laughs> We're just going to listen to Sophie this episode, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's, uh, it's, well, it's... that's always good and chill for me. That's a really cool <laughs> way for me to spend my week is preparing a two-hour lecture. That's right. Sophie's, um, Sophie's always good about corralling me alone from Grinch <laughs> When I have other people egging me on, it, it must be very challenging. <laughs> yeah, it is a stretch of my powers. Um, I do want to say about the, this thing about like, um, that we were kind of saying about the persistence of these same tactics. Um, while, while I haven't looked into, um, you know, Mussolini taking any inspiration from this stuff or being aware of this stuff, rather is what I should say, or say, for example, the National Socialists being aware of this extremely nationalist socialist movement. Um, I... Um, I don't necessarily think that there there have to be these links where like you can clearly point to a time when Hitler was like sitting on a bench reading a pamphlet that was by Pierre Betri or whatever. Um, because the framework that I use with looking at revolutions is that like when the material conditions are right for social change, loads of people will see the way that things should be made more equal, right? And that's actually just the completely normal response is they're like, shit sucks and i can see how it could be better and then mm. that's the revolution the revolution is the like the normal emerge like is the normal thing to expect to emerge yeah. from that and then there's the counter revolution and i think that like you know obviously the counter revolution is in the interest of the state so in a lot of cases the counter revolution will just be the cops cracking down on stuff but yeah. like when it's not in totally in control of the state right we'll see a lot of the exact same things pop up which is like a, uh, a a bunch of conspiracy theorists who are appropriating the the rhetoric mm. and imagery of the uh, of 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 the the revolutionary movement. Yeah. Who... Kind of modern day example of this might look like hypothetically, if say uh, a big coffee chain, the baristas went on strike there, and <laughs> suddenly a movement that portrays itself as socialist declared that baristas were not working class as yeah, a result. Yeah, mm. yeah, that does seem like it would be just like that, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I Basically what I'm trying to say is like when, um, I, it's kind of in line with what Umberto Eco says in Ur Fascism or like why it's called Ur Fascism is this idea that like fascist movements don't, don't take from a lineage in the same way that socialist or especially Marxist movements take from like this, these sets of guys who had read each other's works and then wrote more contributing to the same conversation like fascists pop up in this way in response to revolutionaries because they're counter-revolutionaries and they have the same hallmarks because the same process happens over and over again where they see people who are agitating for change and then they copy yeah. them exactly but not exactly because they ultimately want opposite things yeah and it's syncretic yeah. too they can reconcile like two completely different ideologies together because they believe in truth differently than we might see it. Like they see it as there's a, there's a truth that has been revealed. And when two seemingly opposing ideologies agree on something, it therefore is part of that fundamental truth that they are trying to like reestablish. 
Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. I mean, for one, like the nature of uh, like fascist insurrectionaries who compare themselves to Spartans, when it's like you're you're talking about like a, a city state with like a with two kings and a whole a whole aristocratic ruling class system of control, uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> now, now this is a digression. I'm not sure I'm, I can reconcile back in. So I'm gonna really clunkily just say. In the early 20th century in America, with the rise of union power and the frequently violent and bloody backlash from bosses, Pinkertons et al., and so on and so on, um, a new kind of yellow union became more common. Rather than a national union of scabs, like I've described with the Jeans, uh, bosses tried to organize company unions. So uh, who's heard of company unions? Uh, you're talking about human resources. That's what that well, is. We'll get there. Mm. That is, uh, thank you. I was, I was talking to I Nan was... about this earlier, and she said human resources as well. I was thinking something worse, which was a bunch of companies sending delegates and like meeting together oh, in God. order to, to work together to prevent <laughs> uh, workers' rights. Well, that also <laughs> exists, but it's not what we're talking about today. Um, so, um, you know, that you know, that uh, Atlas Shrugged was originally called The Strike because like Ayn Rand's idea was like, what if the bosses went on strike? Oh, oh, okay, but that is not what we're talking about right now. A company oh. union, a company union is a is like nominally just like a union. It's there to address workers' concerns and get things changed for the better for the workers. Only it belongs to the company and it's been set up by the company. So obviously, it can't have any kind of working class power. It can't meaningfully oppose the bosses because it belongs to the bosses. Right. And um, in practice. Yeah, we could liken it to HR. HR will come up again in a second, but like, um, it's basically just a place where workers go and be like, these things are wrong and fucked up and I want to do something about it. And then someone takes some notes and goes, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then nothing happens. That is just HR though. I don't understand how it's different. That's literally every single experience I've ever had with HR. Like every single- It's different because- in 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 name and function like in 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 complete appearance it's a union right and are, um, like they're claiming the that they will paying dues uh, in right. some cases employees are paying dues to the oh, union yes very cool mm-hmm. very cool love <laughs> very that cool, yeah. Wow. yeah i think like wow. you know as well it's kind of like a um an hr department is something that is going to interact with you if you if you work for the company it's going to be part of your you know experience there regardless whereas like as a company union uh like are you kind of like obliged to be a member of it because it exists well in some so that is the thing in some cases and we'll get to those in a second you can be obliged to be in it generally then you're not paying dues but like presumably they would uh they would just pay you less because hey look what a nice work environment you have you even have a company mm. union so um yeah there, there are definitely <laughs> cases where you can where where people are like man it's mandatory to be in the company union um, i would, also say, I would the, say the difference between that and hr is that like when if employees tried to form a union they would go what are you talking about you've already got a union <laughs> true why would yeah, you true. need to form your own yeah. yeah. Whereas if you tried to form a union, HR would be like, what are you talking about? It's so good here. Why do you need yeah. a union? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We have a very interesting no, videotape I... you should watch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I actually don't want to I don't actually want to press too much on differences between company unions and HR because 
I, as I'm saying, we will literally get to HR in a second. Okay. But, um, but the, the, the main thing is that you might come into a place thinking, oh, there's a union that's based. I'll join that. And then, you know, we can go on strike. We can leverage worker power and we can, we, we can change things here. And um, although there will be collective organizing and there'll be all the workers meeting together and having things that look a lot like union meetings, it'll never go on strike. And you'll never get the, the pay rise unless the boss just already decided that was a thing that was going to happen um, and so on, right? It's just it's just not like, it's so just not in function actually. It's more like a it's more like a committee, but not even a committee. Maybe yeah. there's like a committee at the top of the quote. If I could point to union. one difference, it would be that you generally meet with HR alone or with one other person you have a conflict right. with. Yeah. Whereas in this, you would go in all together for a big meeting, right? Right, right, yeah, right. Sometimes right. you just got to hand it to the bourgeois though like that's a lot of work yeah no you, Mildred, you this just, is what, like, no like, you're sounding like pierre beatry no you no, don't no, 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 no. i think no. you misunderstand what i'm saying uh <laughs> it, it like wouldn't it be easier to just give up what like couldn't you just let us have it, it like you, it's why are you make it seems like it's ruining their lives yeah. it does get a little bit you wily know, coyote at some point where it's, it's running like... everything and like yeah they have to like <laughs> establish a counter union and you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, a, if a company union ever uh ever actually achieved anything to follow my metaphor through would be like wily coyote painting the tunnel on the side of the cliff and then roadrunner right. just running straight through it <laughs> oh yeah but, but no, it, unfortunately, we don't live in Looney Tunes. Um, and so yeah, you should never join a regrettable. company union, is the point. Yeah, I, um, um, I just saw um, Nat in the chat who said the company union also serves deliberately to drain people from actual unions, yes. which is like totally a thing, right? It's like, yeah. you know, you could be in you could be in the real union and actually doing some shit. But right. it's like, yeah. oh, well, it's also easy just to be a member of the company union instead. Maybe they don't do all the other stuff or whatever, but like it's all, you know, it's all tied into the company and it's a lot easier Bingo. for me to do this. Um, yeah. you know, like, oh, It'd maybe like, they give us Friday afternoon noons off to go to the union meeting, which is better than being on the phone. <laughs> so, right. you know, like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And they're yeah. saying yeah. they'll be saying things like, Oh, are you tired of striking? Are you tired of taking a, a pay cut to get the, right. know, the union uh, you can just uh negotiate it on. stuff? That's well, fine. again, yeah. it's it's scab organizing. So yes, exactly, right? It's mm. like all of this struggling against the ruling class is kind of tiring. God, so um, tiring. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if you could just put your feet up and go back to work and <laughs> Don't relax, but definitely don't do work. Uh, yeah, yummy, do. yummy, yummy boots they, in my mouth. How do they do? How do they affect? I, um, can we have union? Remembered. We have union at home. Yeah, <laughs> um, Goblin Games NZ in the chat has said, um, "Save your money for an Xbox." And that was yes, like, who was it? There was right. a company that it was, was Amazon. Amazon, Amazon union busting posters. Yeah, you could pay your dues, or you could save what? that money buy an Xbox. Probably from Amazon. (laughs) Weren't they? Weren't they uh, giving those leaflets out on planes or something? Like I remember, someone like posted about that. Something. This on the plane. Delta Airlines. Oh, Delta Airlines. It was Delta Airlines. Yeah. 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 So maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't Amazon that said. I I remember the thing about Delta Airlines. It was up in the like employee area, so like you know you're on a flight and you need to go to the bathroom and so on. In the bit where the the like the yeah the cabin crew are. It's like they were on their way to the bathroom and they saw that the, like the company had put up anti-union propaganda in that area. Yeah. 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 So there you go. Um, um, yeah. Go, Sophie. Sure. I will. In fact, uh, I do want to say what, one thing I'm really hoping in, in, to achieve with this episode is that we get we can use the terminology of yellow unions again, because it hasn't really like 
since what I described before, where like yellow socialist and yellow union became this like insult that was thrown around in like the early 19, you know, 1900s, uh, it hasn't really been in use. And I actually think it's just a really useful, like we, we have the language of scabs, but that's very individual. We, I think yeah, that yeah, yeah, pointing yeah. to like whole organizations that are yellow is also really useful. Um, yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. so company unions, uh, as we've now covered, I think, uh, are cringe. In fact, they were so deeply <laughs> cringe that even the US government said it was unfair on workers. And in 1935, they passed the National Labor Relations Act, which made company unions illegal. Uh, if you are familiar with the National Labor Relations Board, this is also founded in the National Labor Relations Act. Mm. Um, of course, the US government couldn't have even one completely based moment. And the NLRA also introduced something called Employee involvement programs, which are actually the precursor to modern HR departments. So actually, oh, here we yellow go. Yellow unions illegal. They made yellow unions compulsory. Psych. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, in the first half, not gonna lie. It's yeah. so much worse than I initially imagined. That's um, yeah, that's wild. So when we say about sometimes people are like mandated to go to yellow union stuff, um, after 1935, that became like really straightforwardly the case that like they they were like we we see what you're doing there co-opting worker power and wasting their time with organizing what if that was just uh even easier what if that was just like a smooth corporate mm. system that you could just have like just involve the employees an employee involvement yeah, yeah. program great let's do that can we, can we also talk for a second about how ghoulish the phrase human resources is? Oh, yes. Oh, it's yes. It's such a uh, fucking actually, disturbing idea. It actually originates from a book <laughs> called The Distribution of Wealth um, and was uh, like was 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 pointing out the <laughs> the human resources of a company uh, are the workers. And that's, you know, fucked. Um, yeah. And has now just become like a department in practically every big company in the world. <laughs> Messed yeah. Messed Hate up. it. Yeah. Hate it. Mm. Um, yeah. So again, these employee involvement programs are arguably the precursor to modern HR departments. There would have been uh, places that had HR departments around this time or even earlier, because the like the the origin of um, HR as a term, like I say, uh, was in like economic critique and socialist critique at some point, and then. Um, there were also like human resources departments or they would be called like personnel right and it was just administrative work for the company it's the employee involvement programs are the the side of human resources that we we basically mean when we say human resources right like trying to get someone to not um disclose that they've been like abused in some way uh during their work day and shit like this right like th that side uh, was set up with this employee involvement program thing. So, yeah. Um, so just like with the metastasizing from national scab union to company unions, the yellows kept trying to find new ways to rat fuck the working class. And with the rise in the computer and information technology industry in America in the 1940s, this new industry was uh, keen to keep their businesses as union free as possible. Robert Noyce, who was uh, counted to his name, not very cool at all, uh, <laughs> who founded Fairchild Semiconductor is quoted as saying, remaining non-union is an essential for survival for, our, for most of our companies. If we had the work rules that unionized companies have, we'd all go out of business. Sick, <laughs> that's what we want. Yes. Yeah, you yeah. shouldn't be in business then if you're, <laughs> if you're, you're only making it your sound workers. better. Yeah. yeah. Um, this actually relates to an interesting science thing. So this is, a, this is a, definitely a digression, but I studied electronic engineering and I barely use that ever. So... Um, there's something called Moore's law, which have you, has, have people here heard of it? 
each nope. year, uh, uh, the amount of computing power available uh, doubles. Or is Moore's law it's... when you when yeah. you like when you like make a comic book and then you have to disown a character in that comic book? <laughs> I'm doing an Alan Moore joke. Ha ha ha. I got it. It's good. It's good. I do know um, comic books, listeners. Everyone so, chatting, well, believe me. So Mildred is in fact half on the money. So it's like every like set period. Uh, the number of transistors on a semiconductor or the transistors on an integrated circuit uh, will double or put another way around every like uh, year, it'll go up by the same amount. Right. So it's like, there is this absolute like straight line of how many transistors can fit on a chip um, that like this prediction was made like a hundred years ago now. And it's, it's upsettingly uh, spot on. Like more was kind of a science chat. It, it, it's, it's, it's like, People just keep doubling the number of transistors uh, that can fit on a chip. Um, but that's the kind of the side that people are more broadly aware of because Moore was also making a couple of like economic projections when he when he uh, talked about that. So there are two other more like two other Moore's laws, or there are two other parts to Moore's law to know about. And they're also like perfect straight lines, like the exact same principle of like it's it's gonna keep on doing this exact thing over time. Um so one of them is that um Sorry, my brain just did that thing. It's okay, I got it. Um, so one of them is that the resources required to make uh, those like computers with more like with, with denser chips, basically, the resources required to do that to like at least set up that process, if not like continue to produce them, are going to increase. It's going to be more and more costly to produce them. At the same time, because you're flooding the market with computers and like a computer that's twice as smart as that computer, like sure sounds nice but you don't necessarily need it right so um because the market will be flooded with these ever ever smartening computers um the 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 prices that you're able to uh the price point for your your consumer electronics is going to lower at the same rate as well right so companies find themselves in a bind right they need to spend more money to make this shit they can't charge as much for it where where's the money going to come out which side of the triangle is gonna it's going to be workers right they're obviously going to try and fuck over workers as much as possible so i think that like uh thinking about those two dynamics is like uh really clearly points to why robert noyce et al would be saying uh if we had the work rules that unionized companies have we'd all go out of business it's because they they are absolutely determined to uphold moore's law they must produce more more transistor on chip line must go up or else yeah yeah Women yeah. today only know how to put transistor on chip and lie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so a lot of these new tech companies made employment uh, em- employee involvement programs a part of the, like a core part of their structure. Uh, actually, if you look back at some of like Intel's Intel values, which is the early early thing that they put out, uh, one of them was to have employee investment mm. programs uh, involvement programs. Um, and the the quiet part is to stop them from forming unions. And uh, that's another actually, Intel value. Didn't Intel uh, help provide punch cards for the? That's IBM. Uh, ah. Yeah. So, um, well, yeah. 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 Um, so uh, where was I? Uh, yeah. And this is a big part of the history of why we're only seeing tech industry unions forming for the first time right now, uh, because like the in the original wave of unionization, it those industries didn't really exist on the scale that they do. Um, and then when they were coming into existence, all of their bosses fought as hard as possible to make sure no unions would form. Um, so like, it's only now with the new wave of unionization that we're seeing like 
Apple Workers Union and and whatever, right? Um, yeah, and I just think that's kind of kind of interesting. But that's that's America for the most part. It is like technically illegal to have a company union, but also like America is economically the culture that kind of gave us HR. So mm. we can see what the response has been by the bourgeoisie. And I think um, if one company could do, pull it off, it would be Apple. I would, I, because they have such attention to detail. I think they would have a really good one. <laughs> they, well, I, another thing Apple are invested in is the, the complete user experience, right? So it's yes, like, yeah. you know, you're mistreated by Apple. You are abused by Apple. You get slurs yelled at you by, by Apple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your, yeah. your union rep is from Apple. The, the strike you're not going to go on, that's Apple. You know, everything is Apple in their experience. And that's just, that's just, that's just full UX design, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah, a comprehensive so... user experience. <laughs> end to end, I think they say. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that what UX means? User experience, yeah. Okay. I learned something today. <laughs> you have learned one thing today, yeah. The one thing. Um, yeah. Cool. I feel so value- valued. <laughs> um so uh, some more examples of company unions. Uh, well, actually, I just want to like make sure we're on the, on the same page about America. So it, it's like technically illegal for there to be company unions. It's very rare for people to like argue there should be company unions again. Obviously, some like conservative like lanyards absolutely do it. There was a, an example I found in the like there's a Wikipedia for yellow unions and there's like a, an example they cite of someone just being like, we need company unions again. This would solve the problem oh. um, mm-hmm. in 2018, mm-hmm. no less. Course. Um, course. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that it's interesting, like the NLRA made company unions illegal because they're like, well, workers should be able to actually organize and actually change something. But also you should definitely carry on doing this as part of the corporate structure. Um, <laughs> kind of kind of really clearly shows the shows the positioning of the NLRB. Just keep doing it, but lie about it in a different way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're not allowed to trick workers you're not allowed to like lead the, the lambs into the slaughterhouse anymore. You, you, you have to be like, look, this, this bit is part of the slaughterhouse. You, if you, if you want to resist the slaughterhouse, you do it out in the field. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's America. Um, I have some notes about Guatemala. So in Guatemala in 1997, the world bank, uh, must be destroyed. The world bank gave the government a 13 million us dollar loan to privatize its infrastructure. Well, that's um, nice of them. <laughs> Uh, yeah so kind but that but that went well for everybody <laughs> oh yeah um guatemala has a great uh history and relationship to uh to uh global Why capitalism the, the world bank wouldn't just give people money and expect something in return <laughs> <laughs> the world bank wouldn't wouldn't just fund something in guatemala knowing that something absolutely atrocious and horrible would probably happen as a result and then look the other way yeah, yeah, yeah. That's out the out the the goodness of their own hearts. Yeah, I'm there sure is there definitely isn't a Wikipedia article entitled "The Silent Holocaust" that you could look up and learn a little bit more about Guatemala. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, anyway, so the World Bank gave them this this big loan to privatize their infrastructure, and naturally enough, Canada shout out Canada, um, <laughs> a Canadian company um, came to take over their postal service. Um, and yeah, I mean, this wasn't very popular among Guatemalans and uh, the people who were already working in the Guatemalan Postal Service. So alongside bribery and threats, they also used company unions to ensure a smooth transition. Great. Great. Yeah, That's just yeah great, very cool. Isn't it? It makes me think of like... Um like sort of bringing this... Uh, you're obviously going to come to the contemporary unions and... and Tangents are welcome. Do, yeah, but like... Will. 
yeah it, it just kind of reminds me of like um the 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 abelio i think bus drivers i think that's who it is yes. I, spoke about, I spoke about this like probably last week as well but it's just mm-hmm. so based that like you know that that's obviously like um a private bus company not based in the uk the workers don't own it they just work for it um and well most most companies the workers don't own it but i i am i'm basically what i'm trying to say is that like it's just such an obvious picture when things like this happen and you know when we talk about the history of like guatemala and what's happened there and 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 the fact that like this privatization effort was compounded with you know yellow unions company unions um yeah it's just like that's that's just the, you know that's that's why it's because they know what's coming they know what's yeah. going to happen when they privatize these you know important parts of infrastructure they know that people are one day eventually gonna just be like enough is enough this is dog shit i don't want to work for this shit anymore and in fact yeah. it'd be better if we owned it and decided what happened because we know what's going on not some fucking ceo in another country yeah yeah, I mean, Abelio, yeah, it's Abelio is a Deutsche Bahn company, I think. Yeah. Um, so it's like our our travel infrastructure in the UK belongs to Germany. Um, I pay energy bills to EDF, which is Electricité de France. Um, there are other examples besides this as well, where I, I I think it's kind of interesting when you look at some of the the power relationships of of like financial imperialism. You can see some of them present in the UK, kind of on the on the less powerful end, which at first is kind of strange because it's like, why is the UK kind of getting fucked over by this kind of relationship? It's it's Britain. Um, but it's that it's that Britain has such like naked class warfare that like the ruling class just have their own private world. Like everything is just everything is just entirely separate for them. So like our infrastructure all belonging to other countries who then are like directly profiting off and benefiting from our public infrastructure that we could be benefiting from ourselves. Like that's fine by the ruling class. Cause it just doesn't affect them in the slightest. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm just saying like, you see this relationship here where it's like a Canadian company operating in Guatemala. You can see the same relationship happening between like European countries and the UK. And it shouldn't be mistaken that like the state apparatus of the UK is still, what it is um on the global stage which i mean on the global stage the uk is kind of shrinking but like it's the it's the thing to go back to that the uk is this bizarre system where like it's really just a money laundering front like people should watch the spider's web documentary like so much of the uk economy is just for money laundering um and then like the parts that are society just like they don't give a fuck uh yeah anyway um so that was that was guatemala um right in japan uh worker organizing and class consciousness is so laughably non-existent that company unions are incredibly common and even considered a crucial part of the economy so this is a be would be an example where uh, uh you'd be much more likely to see someone like a worker being mandated to be in a company union so um the 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 kind of you not uniquely, but like the historically Japanese innovation on 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 capitalism was the zaibatsu model, or people if people have heard of vertical integra- integration, right? Like buying up everything in a supply chain to be within the one company, so that like you don't have to get a loan from this bank in order to make this work, in order to supply to these people who make this thing with that to blah blah blah. Like instead, you own the bank and you own the factory and you own the supply chain, you know. Um, and so to also own the union is like seems like a natural enough next step from there right this is what i love about capitalist innovation it's just like what if we owned more stuff (laughs) yeah 
I like just saying capitalism breeds. That's like, mm. I just, I just leave it yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the, uh, yeah, company unions are incredibly common. Um, yeah. And, and you'd be more likely to be mandated to be in a company union there because like it's, it's part of the full experience. It is actually, um, as well as being illegal in America, company unions are supposed to be illegal everywhere. Um, so a lot of the examples I'm talking about that are contemporary, I'm talking about like, this is kind of a company union or like, I'm, I'm really saying, I think that's a yellow union and we should use the, the, the term yellow union to talk about it. Um, whereas in Japan, it's just that like company unions, despite being like internationally illegal, they're just not in Japan. They just have them in Japan. It's very cool. Um, so there's a, there's a trade union that's not a company union in Japan that's called Rengo, but I'd still say they are a yellow union because um they're just extremely eager to lick boots so i have an article i put in the notes that's um from 2016 basically the i uh yeah in 2016 the head of rengo replied to hyper conservative bullet sponge shinzo abe proposing three percent pay raises <laughs> by saying they were high in the sky and they should only have two percent raises instead like the head of the biggest union in the country was like no 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 no, no. hang on hang on I see, I see you, conservative Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, proposing that we all have a pay rise. What if we had a smaller pay rise? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It's just a game and... Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's just like, how do more people not end up mysteriously murdered? <laughs> when you, the more the more that you understand about japanese politics the more that you like um understand the you how under- the shinzo abe assassination could have happened because it's yeah. just like yeah yeah the more you understand the the doohickey and its uh, invention yeah um, the little gidget <laughs> yeah i had a i had a, a thing to say and i can't uh-huh. remember if it was relevant but it is like you know that is that is sort of what a lot of you know politics is and and it's annoying right because this is why you see so much you know we're talking a lot on the streams today about like um co-opting stuff yeah and like you you do yeah. see you do see a lot of like co-opting stuff on the right about how it's all like you know like a game and a puppet show and they're making decisions behind our backs and stuff like that and it's just fucking annoying that like you know their conclusion is it's the jews that are doing that like, the thing well, that I mean, the, th- <laughs> the thing that irritates me the most is they're not making the decisions behind our backs; they're making them to our faces, right? Yeah, right like, in front thing, of our yeah. faces. Yeah, the biggest exactly. conspiracy theory you could possibly. I mean, I I've said this before. I've been fascinated by conspiracy theories all my life, and it's like I sometimes think of my trajectory as a leftist being like, oh right, none of this is in secret. The biggest conspiracy is just happening, and you can just yeah. see it all the time. Yeah, that's I'm Capitalism, so frustrated yeah, yeah. whenever I hear people like talking about you know like the secret kind of like levers being pulled and it's just like it's literally just right there like it's not as exciting or like kind of out there and wild as you know you 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 want it to be like it's not there's no yeah like I think it's you know there's no mole people there's no lizard people it's just guys in fucking suits yeah people want to believe that it can be um 
you know, as simple as just like, there's like, there are bad people and they are, they are manipulating things or whatever, you know, as opposed to yeah. like actually having to understand, you know, like politics and history and, you know, economics <laughs> and all these kind of things. But also yeah. I think it's like people are really attracted to the idea of knowing like some little, like a thing of like secret knowledge, like, oh, yeah. I understand totally. how Stigmatized knowledge work, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, and well, like, I... um, yeah, being an insider. <laughs> Yeah, I would, I would, um, and I'm kind of writing something about this at the moment, but I would kind of liken conspiracy belief to belief in aliens and ghosts. And I'm saying aliens and ghosts at the same time here, because I think that like the way people believe in ghosts and the way people believe in aliens are like fundamentally incredibly similar. It's just that like ghosts is broadly speaking, like a faith-based belief in the past haunting the present, like the, the past will hold the present to account in some way. Like haunting is like something from the past is in some way like coming to the present and being like, this is wrong. Yeah. And aliens is the same belief, but for the future, like we will meet some aliens at some point or they'll come through a wormhole from the future or something like this. Right. Well, Re- admit, yeah. it might seem that way, but actually um, ghosts are real. Uh, Thank you. Because, Top G Andrew Tate recently battled one in his prison cell. <laughs> oh, I well, forgot about that. Top, yeah, yeah. top G Andrew Tate also uh, tried to fly in his prison cell and not by concentrating really hard like a normal person, but uh, by flapping <laughs> his arms uh, oh. to try to generate lift like a bumblebee. Oh. So, um, so he definitely understands how aviation works. That's good to mm, know. Mm. I'm very um, sure you know, that he's trying to make some push for like um, being mentally unsound or something like that. You know, yeah. like I don't think he's trying to that hard. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he's pushing for that. I think that he's just not doing his normal posts. <laughs> yeah, true. He's anyway, doing normal um, posting. It's the the Anderson meme from Peep Show. You, is that normal <laughs> posting you're doing in there? Um, but yeah, that's that's really like pertinent what you say there um sophie because if if listeners of Le- red planet do not know i believe in ghosts and ufos uh, as, a, as a matter of fact yeah. um and in sort of like my like you know delving into like ufo sort of oh, oh I, I have one more quick comment on andrew oh, tate yeah, before you sure. move on from that and that's just yeah. critical support to comrade cancer please carry on <laughs> um and um yeah in sort of like delving down um you know ufo rabbit holes and stuff like that there is a lot of so it's really weird there's like a mixture between people who are absolutely convinced that aliens are hostile and that yeah. donald trump did the right thing right setting up the space force is a good thing and you know we have to murder any and all aliens that come even if they come in peace hit it with sticks and then there's also a a, a large sort of like sect of ufo believers who actually believe that there's absolutely no fucking way in a million years that aliens could be hostile because if they were hostile the fact that there's been alien sightings for like you know hundreds of years maybe even more like you know documented through like ancient history and stuff um they would have wiped us out long ago if if they were hostile in any sort of fashion or they would have mm. enslaved us or whatever and so i think that like there is a sort of religious thing with ufos yeah. as well where it's Definitely. like they're like oh this will be like the second coming of jesus the kind ufos will come down and yeah. make all the bad stuff go away. Like I watched a, a documentary on Prime called Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. It's got mm. that Stephen Greer guy in it. I don't know if anyone knows him, but Stephen no. Greer is like, he was like a, an ex-CIA scientist or government scientist or something like that. And, you know, he knows a lot of stuff about aliens and the UFO stuff. And 
um, he was saying, um, oh yeah, aliens have spoken to me. You have to bear with him when he says that, because he says that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Aliens have spoken to me and told me in absolute faith that if the nukes were launched, they would stop at least one of them. And it's like- At least one. (laughs) At least one is what what he's- That's his words. Yeah. yeah, they could. Yeah, they could quote. They could. We could quote the aliens on this, according to Stephen Gray. Um, so yeah, no, I will say yeah. that is not the least believable thing someone from the CIA has ever told me. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, my CIA handler is telling me stuff as we speak, which are which are less believable than that. Uh, but anyway, yeah, back to uh, yellow unions. Oh, I mean, I'm still talking about ghosts. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, it's sad, uh, like UFO, UFO believers are generally called um, ufologists by people who study them. Uh, <laughs> I find it sad that like ghost believers don't have a, a, a name like that. But um, yeah, paranormal well, um, investigators. No, yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. Okay, Par- paranormal investigators. But like, yeah, anyone can be called. It's like becoming a CEO, right? All you have to do is, in fact, you don't even have to <laughs> fill out a form online. You could just literally just be like. I'm a paranormal investigator now. I have a phone camera. I go and to you, places. I look at stuff and film it. And if you're a if you're a paranormal <laughs> investigator, much like many CEOs, you don't have to pay taxes. So <laughs> yeah, because um, you could be a CEO of your paranormal investigation um, company. <laughs> but the reason that I say they're both faith based is that I think there's something really worth pointing to with faiths and faith based beliefs in relation to conspiracy beliefs, because like. QAnon, right, is an example of where you got a lot, there's 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 a faith, oh, yeah. right, and there are plenty of Christians in the world who are not QAnon, um, but but like there's there's something distinct with conspiracy belief that I'm trying to point out here, where like they they just like faith based belief, they want to believe there's a little more to the world than what they can see. It, it must be more meaningful than that, but like conspiracy. Um, like, uh, but but in the same way that there are Christians who are fine, and then there's QAnon. Um, there's there there are ufologists who are fine, and then there's uh, yeah, like you were saying, Neil. I think yeah. Michael Bakun says something in conspiracy uh, uh, culture of conspiracy that's like there are uh, ufologists who are happy to just sit and wait for the Space Brothers to appear, and there are others who believe the Jews are behind like stopping us from from getting the good alien technology that's definitely uh, in yeah. the hands of the US government. Right. Um yeah. <laughs> and I think that like to bring it back to yellow unions um when you when you can see the the conspiracy of capital just just hanging around right in front of you you don't need to believe in anything more than that but like well, to have yeah, I don't know, because there are people that would also hang what I would think is kind of a faith based argument that the problems that capital causes are going to be fixed by some new innovation True. we're going to come up with. Sure. You know, I mean, we're going to we're going to carbon capture. We're going to well. move to Mars. You know, that's all. Yeah, and, and just like that, there's also there's also revolutionary faith where people you know, I, I would say, yeah. you know, revolutionary optimism yes. is revolutionary faith. Um, but again, it's not revolutionary like conspiracism. And I think mm-hmm. that like when you have an ideology like Pierre Beatrice, right, where you've you just said, like, we shouldn't do the main thing we could do to change this. You have to have some conspiratorial logic to like fill in the gaps of yeah, why yeah. of why Definitely. we don't already live in a perfect world. And I think mm-hmm. that his turning to anti-Semitism is really interesting in that context, especially when we then think about the rest of um yellow unions, because like to be to be like ascribing to this ideology that like we can just have a company that like sorry we can just have a union that 
will will never properly antagonize the ruling class, but yeah. will somehow solve something is necessarily to say capitalism should and could be fair. And when you say capitalism should and could be fair, you have to explain why it's not. And then you start talking mm. about crony capitalism. And then you start yeah. talking about the the puppet masters pulling the strings. And then you end up yeah, talking yeah, about yeah, the Zionists, yeah. just like that. Who's, right? who's stopping us? Who's stopping us from yeah, doing exactly. this thing that why like... Why can't I drink you know. raw milk? <laughs> uh where were we okay so um on the wikipedia article about yellow unions there's there's an an entry that i as far as i can tell is just from one wikipedia editor they've just cited themselves as the source uh they i didn't dive any further than this but they've said Mm. for the different countries they're looking at they said um in many post-soviet states including the russian federation the economic collapse of the early 1990s brought a sharp decline in labor activity as a result official union structures often function as de facto company unions I there is too much of like a, a language uh, barrier and so on for me to like dive into researching company unions in post-Soviet states. Uh, so I'm going to take this as read, but this is why I've introduced this as some Wikipedia editor just put this put this here. I I can't verify this myself. Um, the first part very true. Worker power did sharply decline after the collapse of the Soviet Union in that in that area. But I I don't know about the unions there. Um, it could be true. Then we have uh, China. So again, this is a place where because of international law making company unions illegal, um, we have something that's like kind of is a workaround yellow union. And this is why I think mm-hmm. yellow union is a useful term. So in China, trade unions are part of governmental structure. That is to say, like when when something is a workers union, it has to be aligned with the CCP. And because the CCP try to pretend to be communists, they like... You know, it, they, they, they basically make the unions um, officially affiliated. Um, and so you'd think that they were still free to oppose capitalist bosses. Um, I mean, you, you, you might not be foolish, foolish enough to fall into my obvious yeah. trap there, but my hypothetical listener might think that they're free to oppose their capitalist bosses. Um, but many of China's biggest companies are still state, state-owned enterprises, so literally their bosses are the state anyway. Again, the, 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 the owner of the union. Yeah. Um, and also, like, they aren't free to oppose the ruling class broadly because, like, post-Dengist CCP, like, does a lot to uphold the right of billionaires to exist. Uh, so, you know, it's not like they could you could get together with a union that's, like, aligned with the CCP and be like, we have to bring down the ruling class. You, no, you can't. Um, in Hong Kong, there's a, actually a whole party who was formed out of large trade unions before. Um, now, none of these are, like, company unions or founded as yellow unions, but... I find I think this is interesting for studying what we're talking about in terms of like the corruption and co-option of worker power. So in Hong Kong, there's a whole there's the like an electoral party. I think it's Hong Kong Federal Trade Union Party. I think that's it. Um, anyway, the acronym is HKFTU, and a bunch of big trade unions came together to form this party. But because they've gotten now like they 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 are playing the game of electoral politics they have relationships to government they have they have to try to maintain good relationships with the ruling class they can't function as a union like them being in power would not mean hey shit a big union is in, is the government now we've done it we've achieved dual power or whatever it, it's like it's the opposite thing the union itself like has become bourgeois um yeah uh then that's kind of prompting a discussion that i want to have before I, I'm running out of notes here, just to be clear. But I, um, I want to have a discussion worry. about this, like the the like unions that become a certain size often go through this process. And yeah. to use precise language about it, the process is them corporatizing. 
And so yeah. it does have to do with what I mentioned earlier, like corporatism as a philosophical strain and as a like a, a, a belief in relation to class struggle that like uh, we can improve things by people like, you know, members of different classes organizing together. And it's alongside that you see a lot of like very large unions literally becoming corporate. Like they have yeah. a board of executives and they have a CEO literally. And like, I don't know, I think it's like, the exact the existence of executives in a union implies the existence of everyone else not being an executive like oh, everyone yes. else doesn't have power to make decisions if there are oh, people who yes. have power to make decisions so it's like inherently you're not a union then that's the you've defeated yeah. the point of a union don't worry um, i have i have a lot to say about this sophie i've been waiting for this great bit. cool this cool, cool. I, I understand i don't because... want to give into like fatalist logic here i don't yeah. think that like any union past a certain size will definitely do this no but i do no, want no. to talk about how it happens so well yeah on. and i i can actually give you direct insight as to how it happens because this recently almost happened with great manager tenants union like there was yes a, a role that people were trying to push like a certain person just one person in the union um which was i already be, know about this <laughs> yeah which, which was going to be a staff based role um which means that the union would be paying for that person to do this role and it was labeled a ceo role like it was it was being talked about that in committee meetings it was being you know played as that and and everybody who is a member is was just kind of like we, we shouldn't really be calling it that even if some of the responsibilities are not that of a ceo and the pay is nowhere near that of a ceo yeah the inherent idea of it being referred to as that and also it having some sort of like you know um uh, uh responsibilities in that of deciding policy right very important there um means that we are getting the power taken away from our members so we voted it down at the at the you know the 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 last agm and um we just had some amendments to it really do you know what i mean so like the role the role was basically there because the person that sort of put it forward has been doing a lot of work for the union way more work than anyone who's unpaid should be doing for the union in my opinion um but at the end of the day you know they're passionate they were passionate about it and did a lot of good stuff and it just seemed like potentially this was a way that they could get paid to do some of the stuff that they were doing um which is fine you know what i mean but again just sort of like having those those little bits of undue power in the responsibility just kind of like tipped it over the edge and luckily you know most of us in the union are, are a bit savvy to this kind of thing and you know we just wanted a couple of amendments to it and those amendments were granted and now the role has pretty much the same power as everybody in the union you know what i mean um and again it's it's a staff role so like they don't have any sort of vote on committee based stuff um so yeah really 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 important that people recognize this and this this kind of thing comes about i think when because it, it it the fulfillment that you get from union work is great it's phenomenal the feeling that you've like empowered someone you've helped someone you've done something you're actually like fighting you know the powers that be you're fighting the fucking establishment all those things are great but the establishment exists and you are sort of hardwired to believe that your labor requires reward right and so that's why I do think that this came about. Um, and I do understand it. I completely understand it. You know, it's, uh, I fucking, you know, desperate, desperate. 
for my dad to say, I'm proud of you, son, for all the work that you do with the union. But he doesn't say that. He says, when are they going to pay you? So I That's understand it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's fucked up. Like, it's, you know, I understand it. I understand where it com comes from. And I, I don't think that people are like necessarily evil and i think that everybody who listens to red planet should know that people are not born evil they don't they aren't like you know um oh i'm just a bad piece of shit and i'm gonna ruin this union it's not how it works it's incentivized exactly it's incentivized not just by um you know the way that um capitalism just sort of exists but also by the way that like you know we become reliant on it you know what i mean we're desperate yeah. we're well, absolutely desperate to get that dough you know yeah, that's exactly it. I think, um, so David Graeber, Everybody Drink, in the same book where he says that corporatism is the basis of fascism, is uh, utopia of rules. He's talking about bureaucracy. And one of the points that he makes is that like, people whose job it is to do a thing will try their best to do the best of that thing. And also more of the thing. Like if they, if they make casks of wine right like they will want to make the best wine and produce more of it uh because that because of just pride in their work and so when he's talking uh, utopia of rules is about bureaucracy and so what a point he makes about like the growth of bureaucracy is like as soon as there are people whose job it is to be bureaucrats they will actually want there to be more bureaucracy and they will actually work for there to be more bureaucracy and um so like when when you think about um paid staff members in a solidarity organization, right? It's like some people need to be paid for some amount of labor to be done that wouldn't have, like without which like the organization wouldn't exist. And then, so, so you have dues. But if you have someone whose job it is to effectively make decisions to keep the, the organization profitable, right? Because they sit at, 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 at an executive level and they, and they are a paid member, it's the... Um, yeah, their, their incentives are different to the people who are just doing it as a solidarity process, right? Like, yeah. they will make different decisions about what the organization uh, should do. Like, I think that, you know, for example, like, none of the hosts are paid on Red Planet. We don't make, so, you know, uh, we uh, we obviously like, you keep Conrad underfoot. Um, what about the guests? Uh, Let's talk we'll, about we'll that later. We'll talk about, about that later. That. We're going to discuss that after the show. Yeah. Um, you're, you're definitely not going to get booted off the Zoom call. Um, yeah. And you can probably, we have this really cool inside Red Planet because we're progressive. We have this, it's 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 a, it's a union that you have within <laughs> Red Planet that you yeah, can, yeah, if yeah. you're on yeah, You just need to talk to your union things. rep, actually, of the, the uh, Red mm. Planet yeah. guest union. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I bought an Xbox like an idiot. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Can't believe yeah. it. But my example, um, you know, with with the 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 hosts of Red Planet, we're not paid. Um, Conrad is paid for his labor to you know to do labor that we couldn't handle doing between us. I mean, we we like just about handled doing it. But like since Conrad has been here, being paid to do stuff, he's been able to like do that way better than we all could because oh, we weren't being paid to do it. Difference. It makes a world. Yeah, exactly. Right, but right. if but if Conrad's position were as like running Red Planet, right? making decisions for the benefit of, of red planet and entity. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm putting too much on Conrad here. If a hypothetical <laughs> person were, were like running red planet and making decisions to make red planet as profitable as possible, pretty quickly decisions could come up that would not be in line with like what we actually want to achieve in the first place, because, because the decisions that are profitable and the decisions that are anything else frequently clash. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think like 
this 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 part of the discussion like i said i've been waiting for this a lot like there's so many different examples of um these kinds of things happening especially like you, you see it more now that there's so much union action going on in the uk because like the old big unions like unison unite um i don't know if cwu was 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 a, a big one back in the day but it certainly seems like it's it funny was. you should bring up unison and unite they are uh -huh. in my notes in a minute yeah 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 well maybe i will proceed the notes uh because i know uh for a fact that like you know unison and unite have both um accepted without the vote of the members in the past uh, 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 you know, negotiations of, of pay rise that the members are just not happy with, even in, in the yeah, slightest. Like the exactly. recent the recent nurses strike. Um, one of my mates came directly to me and said, "What the fuck, Unison? They're they're not fighting for what we want. They're doing this shit yeah. without even asking us. Um, what do I do?" And I said, "Well, it sounds to me like you've got a bit of a yellow union on your hands." There um, we go. <laughs> <laughs> what you should do is find a better union. Be the line, bot. Unionize yourself. Um, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, it was kind of one of those. Uh, and they went with the Royal College of Nursing instead, right? Yes, that's right. Who are actually pushing for, like, higher raises because they actually want to improve conditions for the workers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's like, so then uh, this isn't, and I, again, I want to make sure we don't go into a fatalist place. Like, it's not that as soon as there's paid members in any organization it's doomed right no um, no, 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 no one no, thing no. one thing you can really obviously do is to make sure everyone's paid the same like any staff mm. members who exist being paid the same would be a really obvious incentive yeah. that like no one who is driven by earning more than other people would want to be if there was an administrative role wouldn't want to be in that administrative role to earn more than other people yes. right mm. so they yeah. wouldn't be doing it for that reason um, yeah that's 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 literally yeah that's what it's like at, at, at gmtu yeah all all of our staff members are paid the same yeah um and and that and again like like sophie's saying like gmtu is not a bad union quote unquote bad union or yellow union because it has paid staff members like what she was saying about conrad facilitating the hosts like basically making our lives easier yeah um you know is a great thing that's in the same way the way that paid staff members in in certain unions do for the so for example i'm not paid in my capacity as a mem as an elected member solidarity officer on the committee mm. of uh gmtu um but my work is made so much easier by paid organizers like yeah. uh, ben clay who was on the program dan mm. isaac who was on the program as well uh, yeah. on, on doing uh, the gaskell garden project in, in that uh, uh -huh. capacity uh -huh. um yeah they make they make my life so much easier because they go out and do the things that there's no way i would have time to like for example yeah, yeah. setting up setting up branches in different parts of manchester and like you know um talking to like different sort of uh you know uh organizations and, and trying to like figure out how to like you know come together and do stuff to fight you know for for housing rights and shit like all these different things there's no way that you could get like unpaid volunteers to do this kind of stuff and it's just because a we don't have time we need to eat and survive and, and pay our yeah. rent um and it's like the kind of stuff that you have to do as a member solidarity officer you could you could get a day off like if you've got a day off work you could just go and do it then do you know what i mean or like yeah. you know if you've got an evening off you can like you know phone a member and be like yo what's going on yeah this kind of stuff so um yeah so it's yeah. absolutely right yeah mm -hmm. well so the um the the current climate with like the tory government that's in right now because they're so like nakedly corrupt and they just hate the working class as much as they do and are really really like flagrant about it um 
arguably is is really good for the character of unions in the uk because like people are aware of the ways that they're being fucked over by the government and they want to change them so like your anecdote about someone choosing to go for the rcn instead of uh was it unite or unison unison yeah right instead of unison is a really good example of like what will happen when when a government is in who just like so clearly just represent the ruling class and hate the working class um because the function of the state is to mediate class tensions in favor of the ruling class but sometimes that's we just are the ruling class fuck you and sometimes that's hey i'm your friend i'm uh, yeah i'm your boss but i'm also your friend um and that's that it's time to talk about neoliberals so um (laughs) just before you before you move on to that it it does strike me as there's like a there's like a dare program element to this yes of like uh, how do you do fellow kids like (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Fellow workers. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, So, the reason I'm saying about it's time to talk about neoliberals, we already mentioned Guatemala, and like Guatemala has repeatedly been uh, one of the, one of the, uh, an example of really egregious victimization by global capitalism and globalization. Well, at least it's Um, the only only country in that part of the world where that type of thing is going on. (laughs) I take some small comfort in that. Yeah. And only that part of the world Mm. has been affected by it. It's not. um, Right. A, a nightmare from which we cannot awake um the yeah the, the history of neoliberalism like re, uh, does relate into that really crucially because like in many senses neoliberalism like neoliberalism as an economic mode and as an ideology can be like differentiated out from other things as a kind of sociological socioeconomic entity is so inseparable from american imperialism right like the 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 moves for America to build an empire and neoliberalism are practically one and the same, and um, so like the silent Holocaust in Guatemala being like um, following on from a CIA backed coup because United Fruit wanted to be able to raise the pri- price of bananas is um, you know is American imperialism. It's also them imposing free market cap- free market capitalism onto Guatemala. Um, and then like this example I used just now of, uh, in 1997 with the Canadian postal, uh, company, right. Is even more of that. It's literally based on, uh, the world bank giving a loan for privatization. Um, yeah. And I think that's something to be said about like yellow unionism and its relation to neoliberalism because neoliberalism, uh, one of its great successes that like Fisher and others will point out is like its ability to, uh, you know, completely capture the imagination yeah. of the working class. And and when we were joking before about like Apple end-to-end user experience, neoliberalism neoliberalism's very much like that. Like just making it so every facet of life is neoliberal capitalism. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, so um uh worker struggle and union power is absolutely part of that. I think that I think that you could you could probably make some observations about the rise of HR departments and neoliberalism, but I haven't done the research, so I won't try and make mm. those observations now. <laughs> um, it, it, it reminds me of when uh, there was talk of like a YouTubers union a few years ago, and one of the Green Brothers, I can't remember which one, but you know, <laughs> they're both the same. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, like I'm green in favor one or green of the two. idea of a union in theory, but I worry it would lead to an antagonism between people who work on YouTube and the people who own YouTube. Yeah. And I that mean, is to me like mm. what you're talking about, like neoliberalism capturing the imagination of, of the working class. It's like, yeah, he thinks the yeah. antagonism would start there. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah. the working class would fire yeah. the first shot. 
yeah. I mean, the Green Brothers, whichever one it is, like founded VidCon, right? Like their their involvement in YouTube and investment in YouTube is enormous. Um, and yeah, yeah they, they, if there was a YouTubers union, they should be kept, like actively kept out of it, honestly. So um, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if this applies. So, um, so the UCU. The university um, yeah. union, um, they basically had a thing a couple of weeks back. This union has been on strike for a long time in, in yeah. well, in, in UK terms um, for university uh, workers of all stripes. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think the C is colleges, by the way. I think it's university and colleges. University and colleges union. Yeah. And um, so they have like a spokesperson who I think is not their CEO, but like huh. sort of acts on behalf of the union. And it's like, you know, I know that there's Mick Lynch out there and, and Eddie Dempsey and stuff like that. And I think it's like, I don't know if they're the kind of the similar things, um, but like sort of Joe Grady was was like, you know, um, hold on, striking workers. Like they did like a video and everything. And like Joe Grady's like, hold up. It's time for us to enter into negotiations. Oh and like, my God. It. And all this kind of stuff. And like everybody in the comments was like, they're not offering us anything nearly close to what we're asking for. What yeah, going yeah, on? yeah, 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 absolutely. Why are you doing this? Like, yeah. why have you just decided to do this? Um, yeah. And then I think that they had like a caveat in that video where they were like, don't worry, if you're not happy with this, you can vote against it. And everyone overwhelmingly yeah. voted against it. So I think that's, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's fine to a degree though. Do you know what I mean? Because it kind of shows so... that UCU is, is, I don't know. Yeah, what what you think? Interesting point that? here. Yeah. Having actually been employed by UCU for several months, um, uh-huh. I would absolutely say UCU is a is a yellow union. Um, right. They uh, they have been involved in. So or or here's an interesting thing. Like I think that we, if we want to, we could maybe use a nuance and talk about like orange unions, right? right because right. like sometimes <laughs> they're sometimes like they they do like involve themselves in the antagonism but they are so entrenched that they they don't see how they'll never be able to meaningfully do it right yes um but nonetheless like i do think that ucu is a is a yellow union because like their involvement on university campuses is often so entrenched that like they are um organizing and booking events that are like booking like big headline acts who they have to pay like a ton of money for and and Mm. and then like they're you know charging ticket sales and stuff and all of this like again to return to the conversation like to not be fatalist like all of this is stuff that unions can absolutely do as fundraising efforts that are that can be good for the union like when when unions need funds for stuff but like ucu it feels like well it, it felt like to me working there um is just a de facto like wing of the university structure. Like when I was at UCL, it really felt like the the UCU was like the UCU there was not a you know a a, a separate thing with an antagonism against the executive staff of, of UCL. Course. It was yeah. like this is just how like you know student concerns are handled, and uh, they also throw parties and stuff, and that's really cool. Like I I definitely went to talk to. Um, union reps and people in the union um a couple of times in concerns that like you could really draw a one-for-one with like hr departments like literally uh one one thing i I, like experienced a hate crime from one of the like members of staff at the university and i like went to talk to someone from the union about that again they were helpful so it's like it's to say you know it's not necessarily that they're useless but they were helpful in exactly the way that like an hr department you know, who might be yeah. nice to you sometimes could be nice to you. Yeah. Um, 
yeah that's what i would say about you okay. yeah for sure because yeah that, that my, my initial my initial thought is i mean obviously i'm a super fucking tanky commie anarchist <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm, I'm literally like yeah. you should not stop striking until you're you a corbinista and a uh and uh yeah yeah like, don't stop striking until you own the means of fucking production but like even i can like see the you know, stopping it before it even remotely gets to the point of what people are asking for. Like, you don't negotiate when the strikes are working. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. and I think that would maybe be my best advice to the listeners at home um, yeah. or wherever you are listening to the podcast. Um, hopefully you're listening to it at work and you consult your workplace. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but uh, my advice would be like, you want to look out for unions that are basically saying things that other members who you know are at, and even in your like local branch are saying like yeah I don't, we don't really we don't we want more than that you know like the, the, if if you've got initial demands and the union is like well we think it'd be a good idea to cave on some of those demands that's a red flag and by red flag yeah. i mean yellow flag and by <laughs> yellow flag i yeah. mean yellow for yellow unions yeah I think that one thing that we could use to kind of determine um, red unions as opposed to yellow unions is antagonism. And to measure antagonism, one thing we could think about is like a capacity for militancy. When I was telling, like talking about that history in the French unions, right? Like there was a point at which they'd grown so much worker power, they could just like go around smashing, like smashing windows, doing property damage and vandalism. Um, possibly attacking capitalists. I don't know. I didn't look into that bit. I don't know if they did that. Maybe they did that. Who knows? Um, I didn't see nothing. Maybe, maybe that's the thing that someone could do uh, hypothetically. Um, but the uh, but but when it comes to militancy, there's a phrase. Uh, there's there's something I've been uh, saying with regards to militancy recently, which is like, how does an army get anywhere? Uh, in step and one foot in front of the other, right? It's it can only happen with everybody moving and moving at the same time, and. Um, that's the kind of structure that like a red union would be using right to 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 ramp up that antagonism um that's kind well, of to deter to distinguish yeah. against like people trying to do way more radical stuff that can't be can't be helpful right now but it's also just a useful framework to understand like again like something having meaningful meaningful antagonism because of its capacity capacity for militancy sorry Mildred, what were you gonna say it's just like that's the entire fucking point the entire point is that if you tried to be this militant on your own it would basically amount to nothing yeah. but by yes. everyone working together and combining their power and standing as one yeah. you have far more than the the people who seek to oppress you yeah and if you if you capitulate out of the gate that we're not willing to break the rules that you have set then why would anyone come to the table? They yeah. are, they've yeah, already yeah. They've already won. Exactly, and I think there are, there are all, there are critiques of militancy. So I don't want to paint that as the 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 whole entire thing when it comes to like antagonism against the ruling class. I have this this tattoo of these little skeleton dudes with the red neckerchiefs. It's part of that. Oh, is that yeah. I think that the I think that the Marxist notion of like the reserve army of laborers has got some problems with it, but. Um, it is one way that you can look at the antagonism. It is one way that you can look at like a, a union being actual based socialist chads, right? Um, right. Back to neoliberals. I wanna, I wanna have some, I have some more notes about neoliberals before we go completely freeform and 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 class just start <laughs> throwing paper airplanes around and uh -huh. sticking notes to my back. Um, 
So what I was saying about the, the, the Tory government who are in right now uh, being so obviously hostile to the working class, the obvious, like the kind of obvious counterpart to that is someone who claims to be representing the working class, claims to be on the side of, of, of Labour, maybe even is part of a Labour party uh, who comes to power <laughs> and is actually there for, um, for businesses, for the ruling class and for, for, for capitalism. And I think so, I know who you're referring to here, Jeremy <laughs> Corbyn. That's right. That's, that's right. That Mildred. stooge, that crony. Um, <laughs> but I think, I think it's worth noting that Unite and Unison both came in uh, between 1990 and 2000. They, there were pre-existing large unions who formed together into these corporatized unions mm. during the Tony Blair era, right? Mm. Um, and I think that's... Yeah, really worth pointing out. It, it was it was while Tony Blair was Labour leader and then Prime Minister that these big corporate unions came together, and then they have these in, in, entrenched like relationships to the establishment and to the power structures that they don't want to question. So they're not going to meaningfully oppose the ruling class. Um, yeah, that was the point I wanted to say about about neoliberals. Now, uh, final concluding note from my notes. I uh, I'll put this into the on our text chat. I already highlighted this a little while ago. But I just want to point out that yellow unions don't necessarily have to be yellow trade unions. Um, I found this example uh, of a uh, meal. Can we get this up on screen? Yeah. These these are this is a thing called Generation Rent, and basically it's an organization that's been founded by Lewisham Council. Now there's already a lot of uh, renter renters union activity in Lewisham specifically. I'm actually a member of the London Renters Union Lewisham branch. Um, and yeah, uh, uh, my, my partner Nat will point out like uh, some of the absolute worst conditions that you'll encounter or the majority of worst conditions that you'll encounter and the shittiest landlords and the shittiest renting situations are with tenants who are either renting from the council or they're renting from nonprofits who are like housing associations. Yeah. And so what's interesting here is the council has set up a tenants union. It's, um, it's only against private landlords. It's only for private renters, mm -hmm. right? And they've literally made their branding yellow, um, which I just find, I, I, I don't know if that was in any way. Um... So this is, this is so wild, right? Because this tweet is literally from like, oh no, it's last year. Oh, this was last yeah. year. Yes. Oh yes, my yes. gosh. I actually, right. Okay. Well, yeah. you know, I, I actually put this in the, the committee group chat for GMTU today and was like, <laughs> oh my God, look out. They're doing this. I know. <laughs> Just yeah. be aware. Uh, so I have to tell everyone now that my information is not contemporary. Well, they are, um, they are doing it. I, it is. A yeah, thing it's, they are it's doing still and we'll a keep thing. on trying to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like London Renters Union has been active in that area for a long time and has massive member, like massive membership and massive member support and solidarity. And what do they try to do immediately? Form a yellow union that they've literally right. made yellow because if they made it red, then it would be you know the bad Scary. one that they don't want to be <laughs> skewy oh no <laughs> yeah it's yeah. um it's it's just like it, it it makes so much sense as to why they would only do this for private renters again like you said yeah, like yeah. gmtu sees the exact same shit that lru sees which is that housing associations having been completely gutted uh by the tories turned into um you know profit-based 
uh, companies, basically yeah. corporations. Yeah. Um, you know, we see some of the worst stuff from there. Like I, I spoke about our member. I think it was a week or two ago. Who, um, you know, is a black, an elderly black man, a migrant, um, who just hasn't had heat in in his house for eight years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that you get with housing associations, and. Um, you know, the, the the council having sort of like turned around and gone, oh, well, you know, we know that people struggle with private renters. Oh, my God, they're so bad. Private rent, private landlords. Oh, my gosh, yeah. uh, you're, you're really naughty. Uh, don't talk about the, the <laughs> well, social landlords because uh, they're fine. Yeah. They're absolutely well, I have an, I have an analogy <laughs> for this. Um, I have an analogy for this with an, with an HR department, right? Um, if you went to your HR department and there was some, because you like, there was, um, another worker in your workplace who was being bigoted directly to you or like being yeah. abusive in any other way, right? Your HR department could and should side with you. Right. Um, but they're, you know, and then, and then their thing there is they could easily fire that person and hire a new yeah. person who hopefully won't be abusive to you. Um, there's also the what we would like to believe is fringe case where they consider that person to be absolutely indispensable and you to be the troublemaker. And then they fire you instead. Um, or otherwise just ask you to like put up with it and shut up. And, um, the point is that like your, your overall position won't change. Nothing will overall change. Um, but that that's the side of, uh, HR departments that could potentially like help you out in some way. So the fact that this, this yellow tenants union exists only to attack private landlords, right? It's like the council, um, local councils have some amount of control over who's doing business in their area, who's renting in their area, for example, right? There's, um, what are they called? Um, HMO licenses, right? Like yeah. landlords have to be licensed and the council yeah, has the ability yeah. to take that license away. So yeah. it's like, if you come to the council, which is what this is, it is just the council and say like the, uh, this landlord who's a private landlord is being shitty to me, right? Uh, unbelievably shitty. They have various different powers they could use to, to uh, change that situation, but they're not the powers that a tenant, like an actual tenants union would use. And, and it won't improve your overall situation either. And furthermore, then there are all these other situations, like all, there's the vast majority of situations that you might want a tenants union mm. for in the same way that there are the vast majority of problems in the workplace that you, you, you would want a union for that like the HR department or this fucking, this nonsense here uh, is not, yeah, is not going to help you with it's like a complaint box. You can yeah. yes. you can make your opinion known. It doesn't mean they're under any obligation to do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would also add about this in particular and the powers that the council have in order to take away landlords' licenses um, is that if you have an issue with your private landlord and they end up taking away the landlord's license, then the council may actually make an effort to acquire that uh, property yes. and then incorporate it into their housing association yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. or their council housing stock. So yeah. that's also something that will probably happen if you uh, join the Lewisham government private renters union. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if cringe. you have a problem with your private uh, landlord, just settle it the old-fashioned way. Slash their tires, give their car, you know. <laughs> There's lots of ways you if can you, get around this without joining. It's a very wholesome way. If you have a problem with your landlord, long live Chairman Mao. 
<laughs> no comment. Um, yeah, yeah, no further comments so, necessary. Um, so it's probably a good time to switch over to chat questions, I think. Yeah, We've got a few yeah, of yeah. them. One thing um, before we do that I'm surprised please. didn't come up. Uh, could a police union be said to be like a, a yellow union in a sense? That's an interesting That is an interesting point. question. Yeah. I don't think so. Um, yeah, I, think yeah. I would actually say... I would actually think of a police a police union just to be more like a, a members club than anything else. Mm -hmm. Like, right. the, you know, the, uh, the the police were perfectly happy just using the Freemasons as a de facto police union, as it were, for a really long time. Um, I'm saying that as as my my uh, mother's side of the family is a bunch of fucking cops. I'm, I'm not I'm not casting conspiratorial aspersions around. My grandfather <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. was a was a sergeant for like. 30 years and then uh, his mother died and she was strictly catholic and wouldn't let him join the freemasons so then he joined the freemasons and then he became the commissioner in like 10 years um oh. yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> that's yeah. how the freemasons I'm, work I'm, I'm talking about shit that is very real um anyway um no i i, I would think that like um a police union is really just yeah them them i think like that i was recently reading some zizek which you know classic blunder um and he was talking about like excesses of systems right and like how often um, the excess of a system is is highlighted as like a, a problem and what the the system is afraid of, but it's like based it's it's an excess because it's based on the same things that create and uphold the system in the first place, right? So we could say, for example, that Wayne Cousins, the cop who murdered Sarah Everard, is an excess of the policing system because yeah. what's he looking at? Like a system that institutionally harasses and assaults people, that like sexually intimidates women, that uses powers to detain people. And then yeah. he uses those powers to detain someone to sexually assault and murder them, right? Like that's just an excess of yeah. that system. Um, and I think that in the same way, like a police union is uh, a smaller, just excess of the same system. Like it's just poli yeah. if police are organizing and having a space where they're like talking about what they, how they feel about being cops and what they'd like to do to improve their station, right? Like the yeah, end. Yeah. In in the way that the uh, in the way that the hopeful end goal of any other workers' union, well, any actual workers' union, is for the working class to be liberated, the end result of the of a the ultimate end goal of a police union would be a police state, right? A yeah. Like would be the police having ultimate power in society. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like exactly. It's like yeah. It's um, yeah. I think it's better to think of it as like a distinct thing because I mean everyone knows that like police unions aren't really like unions in the same way so um yeah i think um i think it's not like um good question though i, like I, I, I wish there was and yeah i wish there was another word that we could use specifically to describe a police union i mean it's like, i mean it's a police union police but, like, coven <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, yeah, we, yeah, yeah, if yeah. we wanted an, if we a wanted another color cops. If we wanted another color to reach for blue union would be the obvious thing to say, right? Where yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's like uh, in some I, senses, this functions like a union, but like it's ultimately on the side of the establishment. I don't union. like that they have the color blue. Blue is <laughs> oh, really? a very nice, likable color. I don't think it we is. Should... I agree. We need to yellow is a blue. great Yellow is great for, for reactionary shit. Like that, that makes sense. It's the color <laughs> of piss. It's the color of gold. 
you know, that makes Okay, well, check, like, check this out. The police union is the brown union then because yeah. they are the, yeah, the, the brown, the, the brown yeah. shirts. Yeah. 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 The brown shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no. Okay. Um, that tracks. It does. So, questions then, if we've got nothing else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the... um, okay. So, Hey Zelda asked, I've been in and out, so maybe these are already answered, but my main questions for understanding these institutions are, how do you identify a company union? Well, this is why I'm using the, t- the term yellow union is because, like, yellow like ideologically that this strain that we're looking at is um and this is also why i started with the the history of pierre betri because like it's 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 reactionary pseudo leftism is the is is a is a fundamental core of what's going on here is pretending to be leftist and pretending to use worker organization and the rhetoric and aesthetics of worker organization but actually to co-opt it for the for the ruling class that's what we're fundamentally describing so it's not it's not always going to be a company union and like the example we just had up like that's a it's a council union um which is allegorically like a company union but you know for renters um but yeah, it, the, the, the broad structure of it is that it's um, trying to co-opt and waste people's organizing energy. Um, and they followed up, and what structure in a company union allows it to be run by the company? Is it basically union-branded HR department and the union are the union bosses directly out of management? Or is it basically a third-party union-busting firm in a trench coat? Well, that varies from place to place. But um, when we talk about um, places where it's incredibly common for there to be company unions like japan um it is a lot like a union branded hr department as you've said it right there there is going to be someone who is like the the union chief for the company union and that's that's going to be basically their whole job um but if we're talking about yellow unions more broadly like um Oh, no, the question was about company unions specifically. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. so in, in some places it will be that there's like a, a, a paid member of staff who's on the company payroll who's there to handle the, to handle the union. Um, and then in some cases it'll be like there's someone who's on payroll uh, because they're a worker at the company, but then through the, because of their relationship to management, maybe they just are management, right? Like maybe, maybe it's yeah, just yeah. that they are actually one of the bosses. Uh, they've they've founded a workers' union, you know, but like mm. they obviously don't have the the workers' interests at heart. That's why the IWW doesn't let anyone join who has fi- hiring and firing power, right? Like that's that's one of the fundamental, uh, you know, shibboleths. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, there's a third one from Hazel. So I'll just carry on reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, Hazel again. Both of these can be understood as the far extreme of business unions. I presume there are business unions that aren't necessarily orange or yellow union uh, or orange slash yellow, but still have hangups by virtue of their liberal structure. Unless this model is what we are describing as orange. Just looking to clarify if there's any kind of uh, any a line of any kind between these. Yeah. So I think that it is worth like. If we're going to use if we're going to use yellow unions and you know yellow socialists and this 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 uh, terminology, it's worth um, going back and forth between like that there, there can be something that is essentially uh, a yellow org, right? Like the 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 council union that we're just looking at, right? Where it was founded to do this is literally set up as a funnel to get people away from real organizing. Um, a piss funnel, if you will. It is a piss um, funnel. And, <laughs> and um, wow, really, really uh, ruined my brain with that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not a fun um, kind of piss funnel. 
No, I know. I'm just trying to. Okay, I'm going to reread the question. It's going to get me back on track. Uh, by virtue of their liberal structure, yeah. So there's 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 like existing within liberal power structures and within liberal liberal capitalist power structures and how that can corrupt something. So that's why we brought up like unite and unison, right? Because like by growing bigger and then uh, building relationships with the government, and that's like why I bring up Tony Blair as well. That like. If, if there are people in government who are interested in doing this co-option, and then there are large unions who ha- are becoming corporatized through systems that, you know, in, it, systems of incentives, like we talked about before, you know, they have a board of executives and they have a CEO cashing a salary, right? Um, then it's very easy for them to build relationships that rely on the established power structures continuing to exist. And so the, the antagonism to the ruling class just fundamentally can't exist. Um, but when, when that's like in the process of happening before that, that has become for sure a yellow union, right? There's still like yellow union behavior, right? So like Mule's example about UCU, it's like, I, it is my feeling that they are a yellow union, but I don't want to say for sure. And it would be a lot easier to say if, say, the UCU were just set up in the first place by like uh, the dean of a large university to 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 co-opt worker power. Then I would be like, yes, they've always been a yellow union. They'll never be anything else. But since they um, since they are founded by the um, uh, by the workers, I don't think that that's like the case to begin with um and it's and it's the the corporatization is like a set of yellow behaviors that then eventually they do too many of them and they're just yellow through and through yeah i just to sort of weigh in on that i think that like we are desperate to define things a lot of the time as like so that we definitely definitely know what they are a lot of the time you might not know and i think that if you are like Sophie says, seeing someone, a union exhibit yellow behaviors, then it's yeah. good to be wary of them. Not necessarily yeah. good to avoid them entirely, but not necessarily bad to do that either. So you have to sort of like weigh up the risks and benefits on your own, unfortunately. We can only hold your hand so much, right? Plus any union that is for now not a yellow union is in constant ver- danger of becoming one. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Uh, pretty much. Pretty much. Mm. Um, yeah. So again, yeah. I just, there are some things that started out as yellow unions. They always be, but yeah, like that. It's just yeah. any, any good union could become a yellow union. So it's just worth watching out for the behaviors that will slowly stain your flag yellow. Oh, cool. Um, hey, Zelda, who asked the question has just mentioned in chat. Thanks for the detail. A lot of my questions come from the IWW's OT101, talking a lot about the difference between solidarity unionism and business unionism. Rather than just warning against yellow unions, and at the same time, we don't stop workers from seeking NLRB recognition if that's what they really want. So I was yes. looking to explore the relationships there. Okay, cool. in that case, to talk about to talk about business unions, um, like as opposed to uh, um, solidarity unions that have been set up under the IWW branch, right? Um, what uh, Hazel is kind of pointing to is the tendency for business unions to corporatize because they're like, we exist for this specific workers' struggle, not for all workers' struggle. They, we exist for, example from earlier in the show, if the Starbucks union were not based and uh, not socialist chads, they would, you know, 
as soon as they've won enough things for Starbucks workers for the time being, they'd chill out and take the foot off the gas and just like, ah, it's chill until they want more, you know, un- until they want more raises in line with inflation, for example. Um, that would be uh, that would be yellow behavior, right? Um, in business unionism. Um, and then as their union got bigger, they would probably corporatize. Yeah, cool. All right, we got a lot of questions, so we should um, get through a couple more. Oh, yeah, wow, we really um, do. Okay. Yeah, a delicate friend is asking, oh, I have a question. Is anyone on Red Planet or guesting interested in cybernetics, aka systems theory? Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was going to say so if I bet. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, do you want to you talk about that a little bit? No, or... I've answered the question. I am. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. No, so, uh, yeah, um, yes, absolutely. I often use a framework of... Um, uh, systems as as I say uh, a thing without mind memory or center um, a lot of what I wrote in uh, my monster man about kaiju is kind of inspired by cybernetics mm. theory that I uh, if you think about the big monster as representing some kind of like hyper object or systemic horror then it's like it's not useful to try and attribute it act, like um, intentions and motivations right it doesn't really matter what Godzilla thinks <laughs> right but Godzilla <laughs> still is this entity that is directed in some way um, in, Godzilla, I think. well in a lot of the better Godzilla movies um, it, yeah. mat- it matters what Godzilla thinks and feels but in the in the in in the cocked sellout Godzilla movies it doesn't matter what Godzilla thinks um, <laughs> but yeah um, I, I kind of hope to write something that's very informed by cybernetics theory um, and if people by the way don't know so cybernetics has obviously got this uh, name to it that makes people think yeah. about like the board because well, that was that, that was the origin yeah, right? yeah. the idea of yeah. like, uh, you know like a, a biological system and then like a, a technological system yes. influencing yeah, each exactly. other but yeah. then it's yeah, like yeah. actually this whole big well, thing with feedback and yeah <laughs> so cybernetics actually means like as a word means self steering um and yeah. the analogy people uh people in the cybernetics field often use is like a uh, a boat board, um, yeah yeah a helms person steering it yeah yeah but um, so, I mean, yeah yeah is but it, like it's like the helms person on the boat is uh, is capable of thought and 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 and, and mm. you know independent free thinking, but like for as long as they're on the boat and they they need to get somewhere, they and the boat are kind of one. Um, yeah. yeah, and in the same way, if and you have a really big boat, the environment the, by steering yeah. the boat, and, right? But, um, exactly. Um, I, I, I do hope their to ponytail write something... into the boat's ponytail. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You got it. Um, <laughs> Uh, I do hope to write something in the next few years, which I have titled Organ, uh, which is very influenced by cybernetics theory and is taking a view of systems as both um, self-steering in that way, but also like inseparable from each other. So it's like they're they're organs and organelles, right? They're organs within the... There is only like one complete body and that's the entire planet right and then and then everything from there down is organs and organs within organs and organs within organs within organs right um even as they are systems that have their own like self-interest that they are trying to seek um so yes yes is my answer the answer is yes i am interested well um yeah we should keep uh moving through these and tempura shrooms is asking what are the red flags to look for whether the union i'm in is a yellow union okay i mean yellow behaviors yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I look at the management, look at the behaviors, like what they're doing. Um, it's yeah, like it's not like a um, you know, it's not as easy as like this is 
necessarily yellow or not or whatever like yeah. about the, you know it could be orange could be like or they could have some traits of a yellow union but then no others yeah. so um yeah it's um it is it is a tricky yeah. one but you'll just if have to were, um yeah if they were founded to be yellow they're yellow yeah. right that's yeah, yeah. If, so when we're giving the homework this week which is going to be to join a union and make sure sh- and along the way make sure it's not a yellow union right one of the things is going to be you want to look into the the management and you want to look into the history because if the history of it is like we were we we're actually founded by the ceo of the company like that's obviously you know um that's a that's the hard line um but then yeah yellow behaviors uh, to reiterate one of them, the mule said earlier, like the UCU putting out a video being like, we've settled it. We're going to do negotiations now. And then the actual workers being like, no, um, that's absolutely yellow behavior. I would yeah. say it's also like irrelevant whether or not the union itself is yellow. If you are witnessing yellow behavior, that's the thing oh, to yeah. be worried about. Yeah. Yes. You know? yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, B-Rat has added me for some reason in this question. And oh. I don't know if that's to ask me the question. Or yeah, just I mean, he thinks Neil that... Said, not Neil, you got to answer this one. This is what yeah. it is. Would a right-wing union uh, that was founded to split the workers of an industry be considered a yellow union, even if they occasionally do something for the workers, but not as much as the left-wing union mm. of that industry? Again, yeah, like, yeah Mule, would it? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, if you give me a fucking minute... Um, <laughs> I yeah I reckon I reckon so I reckon that is a yep. yellow union yeah because at yep. the end of the day if you if your sole existence is taking power away from an attempt to build dual power that's counter revolutionary as fuck yeah. my yeah. dude so it's like well, that 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 would describe answer. the original example that would literally yeah, describe yeah. Yeah. Uh, Beatrice um, Federation de Jean. There you go. It's like she said. Mark Salmon says, I have a question for later. Uh, How do you tell something is a yellow union? What are major tip offs? (laughs) We've already already answered this, Mark. I hope that the previous answer is satisfactory enough for you. We do have a lot. Faster next time. Yeah, get your question in. (laughs) Come on, you got to get them in. Um, So we're going to move on to the next one. Uh, Well, hang on a second. There there was a second sentence there. He said, um, I don't know if I'd noticed that that tenants union is one at, le- at least at first glance. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So to reiterate the thing with the tenants union, because it can be harder to spot with a tenants union, yeah. right? Um, That's you is have it run to... by the tenants or is it run by? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would, be the, that would be the number one, right? Is the membership actually leading it? Um, yes. But, the, um, but um, if we, like, I think that using an analogy to a workplace is pretty good, right? And it's like in the renter's situation, like landlords aren't the bosses. Like landlords are part of management, absolutely. But like yeah. local councils are the bosses. Yes. And if you have involvement in... Yeah. Exactly, the government, because they're the ones who actually control renting and actually control the structure of, of renting mm-hmm. um, as a whole. So like um, that one, for example, is so clearly a yellow union because it was set up by the council. Yeah, and I guess I would add on to that with that caveat. I do apologize, Mark. Mm. Um, the... It's so, for example, in GMTU, we have in our um, what do you call it? Constitution. That's an important thing I shouldn't forget. Uh, we, have, <laughs> we have in our constitution that absolutely no one who is a landlord is allowed to be a member. Yeah. Um, so oh, yeah, looking yeah. looking for things like that within the constitution. If you have an open and fair tenants union, um, they will gladly show you the constitution. You will be able to vote if you're a member on amending the constitution. 
if yeah. you need to that is like a democratic right that you absolutely should have um in a horizontally yeah. and if if it is a yellow union but they've made the absolutely classic blunder of making it possible for members to vote um it would be possible to turn it red in my opinion yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's yeah. true so there you go well, um yeah so that actually answers another question i think that's what else I saw <laughs> yeah it's a lot of the same <laughs> okay okay but, um, okay okay here, here here is a good framework for yellow behavior is it hmm. is it antagonistic to the the enemy of the union the the ruling class the bosses the the council whatever or is it trying to build a good relationship with them is any move yes. that is being made trying to like build a good relationship to the people who should be your enemy that's yellow behavior absolutely yeah the, the because a lot of people believe uh, in in the kind of liberal framework we live in that the point of a union is to mediate conflict between right workers and owners when in fact it's due exclusively to advocate for the workers there's yes, it should not exactly. be yeah 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 so uh base junkie says i've seen mentions of places like game devs youtubers tech support tempted to unionize i work at an accounting firm are there examples of those kinds of kinds of quote unquote pencil pusher type workplaces successfully unionizing are there challenges to those efforts that might that may uh that more traditional industries might not face or might face differently that's I an interesting one. Yeah, oh, go on. like base. So base Juggy has asked me this question in my chat. Um, he's from my community, and mm -hmm. um, I the since you originally asked me that question, and I think my answer then was, it doesn't matter. You should try and unionize anyway. Um, I, I think my I think my answer has just changed a little bit to be like, um, you know. I, there has to be examples of accountants sort of like unionizing just because uh, like, you know, if you work in an accounts and accountancy firm means that you're like help, like you might be potentially helping like, um, you know, CEOs not pay taxes and stuff like that. doesn't necessarily mean that the workers in that firm are going to be getting, you know, paid well or anything yeah. like that. Do you know what I mean? And it's entirely like, it's entirely possible that the accounting firm that you work on at uh, work in is based in ethics and they don't help CEOs avoid taxes. I don't know. I don't know how it all works. So, you know, uh, but I, I would say if, if you're absolutely desperate to like, you know, get more rights, get paid better, all that kind of stuff, unionize, speak to the IWW. Um, they'll tell you how to do it. And you know, uh, uh, I guess a, a, another another sort of you know framework to to think in is that if you do think that your the business that you work in is not ethically um, sound, then I don't know how feasible is it for you to work somewhere else, move on, and do something different. You know, it's 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 your choice. I guess would be my answer to that. I don't know if the hosts have any other or our guests have any other. Insights. I don't know examples of accountants unionizing. Um, I do think that the relationship between accountants and clients uh, would present significant challenges. And I'm saying it like that. I'm not talking about definite, complete roadblock, but I do yeah. think that it would present significant challenges where like clients are people with a bunch of money uh, who can go to a different firm if like mm. if uh, the you know, the rates go up because they're trying to get the accountants paid better or or, or whatever, like what have you um but yeah i don't know examples i wouldn't be surprised at all if there were examples though it's worth looking into yeah definitely so right. so uh, next one uh what do we got 
Um, also, I'll phrase this as a question because some feedback from you would be great. I've been asked by some people involved with some squat organizing to drop an action plan for helping some old ladies get elected to the local council on a single issue housing platform. How might y'all approach this, i.e. the discussion on how to best approach state institutions? Hmm. Wow. Um, anyone else? I <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I, I mean... I Mule's probably the most... Like, <laughs> no, I will not be answering any questions. Uh, okay, so my initial thoughts are: there are some, there are some qualifying factors to um, to this. Um, why do we want old ladies to get elected to the council? Like, you know, they, I think they... they probably mean specific old ladies. They're not just talking about some. No, <laughs> I know, I know. Like, why, why, why are we getting these specifically to like be elected to the council? Like, what are you trying to get? Like, I know you're saying single issue housing platform. Um, if if that's the only thing, if that if that's what that means, if if you just want to get people elected to the council to to solve the housing crisis, just quit while you're ahead because it's not going to work. Um, join a union, advise them to join the tenants union, and put in their energy and effort there. It'd be much more rewarding. Um, I actually disagree. I don't. I I think if these people are like willing to dedicate their time to that being their thing, that they're single issue councillors who are only getting into local government for this specific thing and basically like will peace out on any other question that they're asked about. I think that's that would be great if those people were in local government because they are only there to deal with that issue and will peace out on any other discussion. Um, uh, if yeah, that honestly. is the case, because that, that is, well, that is something that I didn't uh, consider. And if that is the case, then yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the hypothetical, like I, I've, had, I've had this comment on my YouTube channel like several times now someone's kind of fantasizing about like joining the police but then just doing absolutely nothing and just collecting the checks it's kind right. of like that right with yeah, local government sure. if someone got a position in local government and then did fuck all except this one thing that they've decided to do cool yeah just joining the police and um following that um sabotage handbook from back in the day and just yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> being a little prankster a little <laughs> menace just being a little goofy guy and just like you know when when they're having a big important meeting about the raids of the morning, just kind of come in with your underwear on your head and be like, "Oh, I'm I would sorry. love like a I TV a show like that where it's just like Mister Bean, just like undermining." <laughs> <laughs> but um, you, you know, Mister Bean and... actually did a show where he was in the police, and I think it was called the Thin Blue Line or something that was oh, supposed no. to be no. comedy about oh, the police. Fuck. Bean Line, Thin Bean but line. it's it's Thin very Bean bad. Line. <laughs> Thin bean line, that's right, yeah. So you yeah, walk in in the morning, you got, you got an ice cream cone in your holster and you just look in your gun, you're like, what's up? <laughs> I like the idea of, like, officer undercover socialists being like, Antifa keeps on putting fucking thumbtacks in all our tires. I don't know yeah, yeah. who's looking for the guy who did derailing this. all the meetings and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, anyway, if, that, I don't... if that is what you want, delicate friend, then yeah, yeah. like um, I have yeah, no idea good. how to get someone elected to local government, but yeah. I would say that the, the in terms of strategy, like making sure that they are just single issue in that way, would be the thing that I'd be concerned about. And I would also say if if you do want to get someone elected to local government follow the 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 tried and tested method of you know getting involved with grassroots organizing mm. um you know stuff like that like you know yeah if the old ladies don't know about the tenants union you should definitely tell them anyway and um yeah i think that that's super super important if uh, and see if you can find the other people who are running for the position see if they have like if they're having any affairs or anything like that maybe you can <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. hire a private through likes yeah, on yeah. twitter smart yeah. smart <laughs> 
So we got one from from Nat here saying, not exactly a question, but I think this would be good to discuss to help people think about the decisions in joining unions. I think it's worth distinguishing between a union whose structure is fundamentally a yellow union that can't really be changed versus a union that basically has lib membership that can be radicalized as conditions press. The former is likely not worth investing in valuable time. The latter may well be, especially if you recognize other members with the same ideas and you can educate and and pee. Yeah, it just ends at peeing. It just says peeing. I think that's important. We should be educating and peeing. Um, yeah. This this sort of like semi question from that here, like, um, actually, I think answers the next question from. I know. Uh, I was going to say that. So I think that's probably yeah. a good place is to wrap there, it up after this. Well, there's a term for this, isn't there? When you when you get a job somewhere specifically to organize, salting. Yeah, the, it's salting. Yeah. Salting right. yeah. the workplace. Um, sorry. Yeah. I was just saying about this the other. Uh, maybe yesterday even um, because in Sorry to Bother You there's actually a Salter and I think people don't realize that he's a Salter um, from The Walking Dead necessarily yeah he's yeah he's Glenn from The Walking Dead yeah Um, so people don't necessarily realize because they probably remember that he's the head of the union in that in that movie but he actually says that like what he did before joining this workplace was organize a union in a different place and um, uh, I forget the name of the character or actor that he's talking to but she says it's uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character's girlfriend she says to him um so you just go from place to place causing trouble right and it's yeah he's a salter like he, mm-hmm. literally his whole deal is like how he gets paid is he's taking checks from capitalists but how, like his actual function is to join different workplaces and start unions there yeah, we've yeah. had one of these people on the show if we remember ivan ostos who uh is organizing um gig economy workers into uh gig economy union oh, yeah. in yeah, canada um, he actually, yeah, like his, his whole deal in doing that because gig economy work like works that way. Like he doesn't have one like office to go into and yeah. like salt there. So he keeps on like joining different like uh, apps in different cities and organizing the workers in, in different places that way. Um, uh, I actually, I actually have a quibble with Nat's thing. And so I'm going to debate my, my, my tiny wife live on stream now. Um, oh, bring her in. No, um, <laughs> it's just that she said welcome um, to come on stream and debate anytime <laughs> oh fucking hell um so uh she said between a union whose fun- structure is fundamentally a yellow union that can't really be changed and in line with the next question which is do you think it would be possible to co-opt a yellow union i as i said earlier i think it's hypothetically possible for something to be a yellow union that's so poorly organized like they've done such a bad job of setting up their yellow union that it could be co-opted um in the case of the one we just looked at for example i don't think i don't think that's the case so i think there are plenty where it absolutely cannot be changed to to be meaningful or useful um but i do think that like if you found yourself in a place where like everyone was in the company union already right and it was the only thing that was there and also the company union had been set up in well actually let's leave that aside for a second um if you find yourself in a place where the only organizing was a company union and everyone was in it that's actually a great opportunity for you to go in and be like, hey, let's form a real union. So yes. yeah, I, I think yes. that co-opt maybe not like in terms of the the literal organized structure and then it becoming good, but like it can absolutely be a place where you can springboard off to do real organizing if it was that kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's a really important part to take away from this whole discussion, which is that even though unions can exhibit yellow behaviors, it's actually sometimes still beneficial to, you know, 
go to the meetings, go to branch meetings, meet other people who know that there's something wrong with society. Because fundamentally, people join unions because they know that there's something fundamentally yeah. wrong with how things work, whether that be the workplace, whether it be landlords, etc., etc., etc. So there's nothing stopping you from joining a union and then discovering um, all the stuff, the base stuff that people do. Like, for example... The, the amount of people that I've brought onto the stream, um, you know, like, for example, Dan Isaac, um, yeah. the Red Roots Collective. Um, there's a bunch of other people that I've, like, recommended to come on the stream and we've had on as guests. And I've met those people through GMTU. GMTU is not a, a yellow union, but... Yeah. It, the point is, is that if you go and organize with a union, you will meet based people who are doing all the base stuff. And maybe you can spend your energy and time doing stuff with them if it's yeah, a yellow union. I, yeah. I guess I would answer the question of, do you think it's possible to co-opt a yellow union with, I think it's possible to co-opt a bunch of workers who are together in one place to organize yes. to do that successfully. Mm -hmm. And it might not be possible to co-opt the, the structure and the the union as it were but it, it's absolutely possible to get the workers to do something better there you go well we got through uh, them we did it with, i agree if it's a hyper bureaucratic union with close ties to government then it's likely less worthwhile and yeah. each kind and style of union will be more likely to flip under different amounts of pressure from the material conditions and yeah, that very much agree there that we go. folks is how you do a debate yeah, yeah i want just agree so. yeah <laughs> Now I'm going to go and smear Nat all over social media. Yeah. Um, I won the debate. That's how it works. Somehow no. Nat is a genocide denier. I don't know how yet, but I'll figure <laughs> out a way. She's also Malthusian. Anyway, um, yeah. uh, the homework this week is going to be, as I've already said, to join a union. But before you do, do your research. Make sure mm. that it's not a yellow union. So I'm, I'm just basically taking the, the, the week one homework and I'm just bringing it back around yeah, yeah. with a little asterisk, right? Please go join a union if you aren't already in one. If you are in one, join another kind of union as well. Get double unionized. Um, but but the asterisk is not a yellow union. Mm. And you should by now hopefully know how to tell. Um, Mildred, cool. uh, thank you for joining us. Do you have anything no you problem. want to plug? I want to say before we go, the bread tube is a yellow union. I called it. I'm the, I said it. I said it. Ooh, oh, my oh. God. Oh, my God. Such you controversy. Yeah, folks. <laughs> What's going to happen now? Who knows? Uh, Everyone will probably just go to bed and have a nice time. <laughs> I, I co-signed this take. Uh, do you want to plug anything? Nah. <laughs> okay, then, then thanks for joining us. Um, Big shout yeah, out have to Have a nothing. nice day. <laughs> See ya. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye. Where can I find more from my friend, DJ Mule? Oh my gosh, Tim, thank you so much. Um, you can find me on DJ Mule. You spell it D-J-M-U-E-L, all one word. You can get that on Twitch. You can get it on YouTube. Uh, I have a VOD channel of my streams, which is just DJ Mule full streams or DJ... No, the channel name is DJ Mule Stream Archives. So you can go and check out some VODs of streams there. Um, yeah, I didn't stream much last week um, because my drone got stuck in a tree and it made me depressed. Uh, and also I got a bit sick because I had a hepatitis A and B vaccine the week previously. And um, it turns out when you have two vaccines at the same time, oh boy, it fucks you up. 
Um, so yeah, that's that's something that happens. Uh, but yeah, I'm deep, deep, deep in the uh, production of my next video. It's very, 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 very close to coming out. I know that I keep saying this, so I'm going to stop saying when I think it's going to come out and I'm just going to do it. Um, but yeah, and that's me. And uh, the most important one is Patreon, where you can just get me uh, uh, patreon.com forward slash DJMUEL. Give me money so that I can survive and eat and all that pay rent, you know, all that fucking shite. Sophie, what about you? Uh, I have two links to tell you about. One is linktr.ee slash Kira Chats for our mm. currently absent host, Kira Chats. All of her links are there, including the ones we can't tell you about on Twitch, but you know that they're good because we can't tell you about them on Twitch. So go check them out. That's linktr.ee slash Kira Chats. Now, if you like using linktr.ee to find people's links, let me tell you about another linktr.ee. That's linktr.ee slash Sophie from Mars, all one word. All my links are there. I recently updated it to make sure all my stuff is there. Uh, you can see my Patreon. You can see my YouTube where I do video essays. You can see my Twitter. You can just give me money directly if you go there, which would be fucking based. Uh, if I get like a notification, just someone's like, yo, here's some money. That's a, That brightens my day. Um, so check out linktr.ee slash Sophie from Mars and all my stuff is there. Um, I think that's all of the host promotion. So... Uh next week oh my god um, what i'm so sorry <laughs> tim all of oh yeah, yeah. Tim all of the, to Mule, all so the good hosts big tim i'm being so rude to everyone this week you can find me on um on twitter as dread conquest but on youtube and twitch you can find me as conquest of dread um ship posting blah 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 yeah that's the deal <laughs> right. i'm so sorry Tim. so um yeah yeah so um, well yeah, thanks for hanging out everyone yeah um, join us next yeah. week we won't have a guest but we will be having a full full all four hosts discussion about dual power cool. excellent see you all next week we will see you okay next time bye bye goodbye Thanks for listening to this episode of Red Planet. If you enjoyed the show, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell all your comrades about it. Find more on the show, including where to watch live at redplanetshow.com. Follow us on Twitter and TikTok at red underscore planet underscore TV. And there's even more at our Patreon, patreon.com slash red underscore planet. Our music is by Jasper Byrne. Red Planet is produced by Conrad Zimmerman in association with Mercenary Creative. See you next week.